I said, that's not a Gamorrean, that's... Oh, hey, guys. That's my wife. <laughs> Who are you calling... <laughs> Who are you calling Piggy? <laughs> Who are you calling Mort? <laughs> yeah. Mort turned uh, out to not be Mort. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Tap Calf Transmissions. I think this is episode eight, nine? Um, well, let's see. We've done... This is... Rogue this Squadron is this book six, six in the exciting series X-Wing. Yeah, so, so eight. Yeah. Well, there you go. Wow. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Tap Calf Transmissions episode on Iron Fist, the sixth exciting book in the exciting X-Wing series. Uh, last time we did have our special guest, Alex, from uh, from Star Wars Explained on to talk about Wraith Squadron. So this is the really the second book in the Wraith Squadron trilogy within the X-Wing series. Uh, kind of a soft reboot almost. Yeah, so welcome to my cozy corner of the YouTubes, to my great co-host, <laughs> Justin Eckhart's Ladder. Justin, how are you doing, Justin? Great. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, last time Alex caused a power outage, so I'm kind of happy he's gone. Wow. I mean, that's the only explanation for it. I've always had power all throughout the podcast, never had any issues. That's actually, you've dropped connection in the previous episode, so maybe he's just sabotaging it so much it goes back in time. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you were going to blame me. You know what? That does seem more likely than something's going on on my end. No, it's it's Um, standard podcast protocol to to blame the guests for any problems that happen. Uh, Especially afterwards when they're not there to defend themselves. I believe that's usually what's done. So on this episode, in addition to talking about Iron Fist, we're just going to bash Alex for a few hours. (laughs) Two hours, I mean, yeah. We did invite him to be on this episode and the next episode, but he said, and I quote, screw you guys, I'm never coming back on this stupid show again. Uh, Then he said some things which we just, we just, I don't feel comfortable repeating. Yeah. No, to be honest though, I think he's um I think he's just recovering from Dragon Con. He probably won't have had time to do the reading and stuff. Yeah, he uh I believe that's where he was hosting a panel with the new Chewbacca actor. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. But enough about him. He's not here. We're not playing his stuff anymore. <laughs> Subscribe to Star Wars Explain. Uh yeah, so we are gonna be talking about X Wing Iron Fist today, which uh, despite the title is not actually the book in which Iron Fist gets destroyed, which was something that I had forgotten. Uh, yeah, well, that's not until courtship. But yeah, so any any opening thoughts here? We start off with rebuilding Wraith Squadron after their losses in the last book. Corey, I'm going to stop you right there. There's one thing that was bothering me throughout the entire book. And this is a pretty simple mistake that I don't think Aaron should have made at this point. He says... They're they're making a jump to hyperspace, and they think they're going to Coruscant, but really they're going to Kuat and Wedge. The says, core worlds. Yes, the core. I have worlds. that written down too. I was like, I did I miss something? <laughs> He's like, they're gonna be some surprised when they end up in the core worlds, but Coruscant is the core world, and I think by that point too, there had already been a uh, an RPG guide called Coruscant and the Core Worlds. Oh, yeah, no, that it, came later. That's, that came later. I, I was kind of wondering about writing it down because I was like, "Is I'm pretty sure this was already established." Yeah. And did I just misread something? Because okay, I'm glad you had the same concern because yeah. I thought maybe I'm an idiot, but it turns out uh, Wedge is actually the idiot. So yeah, so that that's really the only thing I can think about this podcast. So 
if we can manage to stretch and discussion over that entire line for two hours, I'll be. Well, I'll be happy. there is one other uh, error that I made last episode that I would like to issue a formal public apology for. I said during our discussion of Wraith Squadron that uh, Lara Notzel or Garrett Pettithal was actually a New Republic agent the whole time. I was wrong about that. Uh, she mm. becomes much more of a focus in this book. And for whatever reason, I just had the timeline wrong on that. So uh, I'd like to announce at uh, You're a fake fan. at this point that I am resigning as host of this episode of Tap Cap Transmissions. <laughs> so, Justin, you are now in charge. How about I'll take over next time? Okay, and that's okay. fair. We can, we can close this one out. With yeah, your so... Help. Okay, so the first thing for me, though, is like we're getting to the point... I'm really bad with names. It's hard enough with like you have 12 different like in the the first four books, you know, you've got 12 fighter pilots plus the support staff or whatever. That's manageable. But by this point, you're throwing in a whole nother squadron. You've got some like Lara who've got two different names. Um, and it's just well, like, to be fair, her her code name or her secret name, Lara, is only one letter off of her real name. <laughs> so that'd be like if you had to come up with a secret identity and the first Justin. name you come up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be dust <laughs> Deckhart's ladder. <laughs> Eckhart's footstool. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, this book, I don't know. I thought it was really fun. Like, despite the fact that there are, it's like probably one of the first books where they, in a meaningful way, like delve into like the psychology of some of the characters, especially yeah. Lara and uh, Ton. But uh, I don't know. There's also a lot of fun here. Like the, I mean, the, the Ton and Face stuff was really good in the last book, but I think it's taken to another level in this book. And um, same with the the Wedge and Wes stuff. I think Wes is like such a fun character in this book, and he yeah. like, really keeps it light. Like, there's just so many like legitimately funny jokes in this. Like, whether it's Wedge like reacting to some BS that the squad's done, or like Wes just like throwing in you know little quips here and there. Um, I don't know. It's just a really fun, enjoyable read. Usually, like I don't know about you, but when I deal with these. I spend the first week, so like the, the the rest of this week and next week thinking about how I'm going to get started on the book early this time. Definitely get started on it early. Maybe like the Wednesday before, so I have a whole week. And then it gets to like the Saturday or the Sunday, and I'm like, damn, I'm probably not going to start this till Monday. Um, for me, this week, I started this yesterday and basically just read it all in one sitting. Um, and it was still really enjoyable. Still loved it. Um, so that's a good sign, I think. Yeah, I was uh, I was actually reading this. Uh, I started reading it on the train home because I went to visit my family last week, and uh, it was something that only so far Plagueis and Back to War I kind of had, where I'd finished the book and then I just immediately wanted to start reading the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really enjoyed it. And there, it, there might be some never before seen stuff happening with our book rankings later. So uh, oh. stay tuned, everyone. Well, but, now I'm interested. Uh, yeah, so you should try. Um, maybe consider listening listening to the audiobook afterwards. Um, some of them are pretty crap. I mean, they're all really short. The audiobook for this one's like two hours fifty minutes. I kind of listen to it afterwards because it's kind of a nice way. To, it, like hits all the key points. Basically, you're essentially reading the Wikipedia article. Yeah. Uh, but this, honestly, they're worth listening to just because of the sound effects. It'll be like, especially the old ones, they're so bad. It'll be like there was a, a, a like there was laughter across the bridge and they'll like throw in a sound of like chilled, like clearly children laugh. Oh, God. Uh, I just finished. 
but even in the new ones, they're kind of like this. I just finished um, Apocalypse, which is the final book in Fate of the Jedi. And there's one part where it's like the uh, Senate murmured and the sound effects they used is someone going <gasps> like, like really loudly. Um, that in the music choices, like any, it'll be like Wedge won a game of Sabacc and it'll be like Binary Sunset starts playing. <laughs> <laughs> Or like uh, stubs his toe and it's like Imperial March. It's like, but yeah, for, so for me, like I usually read them. Um, lately, I've been like going for walks and reading them or sitting on the back deck or whatever. And then I'll uh, listen to the audiobook. It's kind of been a nice way to, you know, hit some of those key points again. Hmm. Uh, so on the topic of names, we have three new, uh, three new race squadron members who I, do you want to, Touch on those three first before getting into the main plot. Just cover a bit of who they are. Um. Yeah. Hold on. I actually don't remember their. Oh yeah. All so right, yeah. So there's um Dia is the first one, right? Dia. Dia Pasic. So Pasek, right. We have. So she was a Twi'lek slave, right? Because of course, yeah. if she's a Twi'lek, she must have been a slave to somebody. Um. And then we have Shala, who yeah, was Shala, like whose Kel's old. Hand to hand combat instructor, or her, I can't remember her if she was sister, or her was sister like the was. Sister of her, but there, yeah, she's and, really cool. I liked her. And we have Cast and Dawn, who's replacing Grinder as the, uh, yeah, as the app of choice and <laughs> the, uh, the the slicer in the squad. Right, Grinder died. Um, he died the in the last battle of last book, right? Doesn't he get yeah, trapped he inside and the, he was inside the Star Destroyer, yeah. Yeah, and then we also have uh, we have Lara. Yeah, that, Lara kind of a, joins yeah. the squad as the thirteenth member. Mm-hmm. Race squad so, lucky number thirteen. There's something that I really kind of flagged super early on in this. Um, so, just to explain, Lara's kind of got an interesting thing going on. She's actually an ISB agent, um, but she kind of so she's in the last book and she embeds herself. She's on the implacable, right? Um, yeah, and then she she's kind of serving with Trigit. Decided Trigit right. was useless bomb, or basically. dishonorable. Yeah, which she kind of was. Um, and then she she leaves and kind of quasi she surrenders to the New Republic, basically. But her backstory is that she's someone named Laura Knotsell, someone who had died during one of the implacables attacks in reality. But she takes that persona, um, and she says that she'd been kind of like. It, it kind of implies that she had been like a forced, almost like a forced sex slave. Of is 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 that too much? Like, is that what they're saying? Or like, I think the idea, like they were saying that that was what, like that's what she was trying to pass herself off as. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like that's yeah. what the the New Republic thinks, right? Like that yeah. she was like a forced mistress, basically yeah. locked away. That's what uh, the New Republic. That's what Tan thought. That's what Face thought. Uh, that's basically what I guess the whole squad is thinking throughout yeah. the entire book. So the really inappropriate thing for me is the fact that she's recovering in the hospital and the members of Rogue Squad, I think it's Face and Fainan who come up with this plan, are like, they're like, let's put her right back in harm's way, put her yeah. like in front of another like really abusive man because they're trying to catch basically a New Republic um, officer who's kind of running this whole scheme. Um yeah, she's like she's probably got some serious like PTSD 
Um, and they're like, yeah, let's throw her back in action. Not only let's put her as part of the Starfighter squad, but let's essentially use her as bait. And she does end up getting beat up pretty badly as well. Yeah, and they don't know anything about the fact that she has this background of training either. There's This is entirely yeah. like civilian who was forced in in their minds this is a civilian who was forced into that position and they're like hey you want to basically go do that again that's yeah it's, it's it's a little messed up especially because like she's literally i think she meets face or Fainan in the hospital too and mm-hmm. it's just like yeah <laughs> god damn give the woman a break like <laughs> there's like some serious there'd be some serious trauma going on because at yeah. one point they're even like the way she walks it's like you could tell that they like scrubbed all the because their backstory is of like a kind of a farmer on this world that they bombed um and it's like yeah they scrubbed all the farmer out of her and (laughs) like he he molded her and hit her in this hidden closet and stuff and pretty uh pretty brutal situation yeah uh so that uh that officer atten repness i think it's repness it might be red repness yeah repness yeah uh, but yeah, so that was Tyria's officer, another one of Tyria Sarkin, another one of the Wraith's uh, training officer or commanding officer during her training, who was trying to force a bunch of his trainees, uh, some of the ones who were not doing so well in uh, in their evaluations, to help him steal and sell fighters on the black market. And uh, so Tyria had told... Uh, some of her squad mates about it hadn't told Wedge and hadn't told, obviously, uh, New Republic Intelligence because she was afraid that anyone she went to might be in league with that and it would also destroy her career. So it's basically uh, Fanon, Face, and Cal's idea. Or I think it's just Fanon and Cal at first, but they have to get Face in on it to... Uh, I don't think... Does Cal know? I thought the original plan was uh, Cal and Fanon talking about it. Uh, to oh, confirm okay. that it was Repness. Yeah, and then Fanon okay. has the idea to bring Face in because they need his clearance to do uh, something. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Kel just gets kind of written out of the book after that. So Yeah, like Kel and Tyria, I'd say, are the two main characters of uh, the last book. And Kel spends half the time away, like away from the squad in this one. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, you don't really. It, it is nice because, like, there's nothing super remarkable about Kel. Yeah, he's just he's worse a good pilot, but he's not the yeah, he's much. not like the best pilot, I don't think. But I kind of like the idea of focusing on the different characters in each book, uh, rather than it just being like the original three where it's just Corin all the time. Oh, totally. Whereas yeah. we we got to know uh, Kel and Tyria fairly well in the previous one, mm-hmm. and everyone else kind of fell by the wayside a little bit of Fanon. But in this book, it's a lot more on. Uh, Lara on uh, face especially and there's still some like fan and wedge and everyone else mixed in so a lot of my complaints with the last book where it was like I don't feel like I know many of the other squad members with this we already know who the other ones are and we get more build up for the rest yeah so I I agree completely I think this book does a better job so I think that the first book Wraith Squadron doesn't do as well as Rogue Squadron but this book I think is a better follow up in sort of um the the For one sure. problem I guess with sort of going between characters like that is you do have is mostly the problem with with um Kel and Min. It kind of treats their like arcs as complete. Like mm-hmm. they both have kind of serious mental issues. In the last one, Min is dealing with kind of the loss of his squad and Kel Kel's issue is mostly related to like confidence and 
um, performance anxiety. And they both are kind of just solved. And they even say as much. Uh, like Wedge is like, well, that's pretty much good now. <laughs> well, you you kind of get some discussions between Wedge and Wes on that, where it's like the whole squadron, all those issues stay kind of bubbling beneath the surface. And one of the themes is that they're not actually going to fix yeah. these issues for these people. It's just they might that's learn true. to cope with them better. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was okay with that, where like we got the whole book dealing with this is Kel kind of coming to terms with that, if not entirely mm-hmm. solving it. And now we get the whole book about like, these were Fanon's issues. These were Face's issues. And by the end, uh, Fanon's not dealing with them so well. No. But uh, Face, at least. Yeah, the very is, end. And Diaz kind of gets compressed into a few pages. Uh, yeah. where, or you get a bit of it at the start, and then you get a lot of it at the end. And then... Uh, what was the name of the uh, the woman who died in the last book? Um, during the Implacable... Because it was kind of the same thing with her as with uh, Fanon. They have unresolved issues and they just kind of right. die. Uh, I've who's... absolutely forgotten her name. Um, the one that dies with Grinder, right? Yeah. Um, search, put Grinder into Google, no big deal. <laughs> Grinder Bothan, that'll be better. He was <laughs> oh, a Bothan, no. right? Yeah, he was a Bothan. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah uh, Sans yeah. Skimmer, thanks. Right, yeah, 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 Sans Skimmer. The one who's got the weird hate of. Uh, well, not weird. Um, basically, like yeah, the one who is a Tatooine stereotype and then gets upset about the literally called Sand Skimmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dark Lighter Skywalker Sand Skimmer. These Tatooinians have some uh, some interesting naming conventions. But yeah, so Shala, I believe, is supposed to be uh, Sand Skimmer's replacement. Caston uh, is the replacement for. Uh, for grinder and then shala or and then dia is technically a replacement for akbar but like runt gets akbar's old duties but yeah sorry um i just have something going on in the bathroom i think there's a leak or something i'll be right back okay no problem i'll just go over the start for you guys then uh so the book actually opens we're talking about the a couple pages in where they're introducing these new characters but the actual start of the book, we have uh, basically a bar fight with the rogues where they are kind of accosted by some fake military police that uh, they suspect are working for Warlord Zinge. And this is kind of where we get introduced to Faces, where we get a bigger explanation of uh, Faces' ability to like read body language, how he's trained in that, and kind of what he brings to the squad from that experience. Uh so he's after the resolution of the fight where they've dealt with the fake Zinge military police, otherwise they would have been arrested or shot themselves. Uh, they're in a uh, kind of like a, a hearing to see whether Face had acted properly and Fanner had acted properly. Fanner actually slits the throat, I believe, of one of their assailants who was actually the squad leader for the assailants. Uh, with a scalpel, with like a medical scalpel or a vibro scalpel, uh, because Star Wars. And Face kind of explains to the commander how he's able to say, like, well, this guy didn't have uh, the ability or didn't have the kind of gate you'd expect for where he should have been from, and this was not who it was supposed to be. Uh, and I, I think that's kind of a 
Thrawn's art interpretation tier of Star Wars making up stuff, but at least, uh, but whatever. So we kind of get that, and we get a little bit of Wedge, uh, kind of pondering what he'd gotten himself into with Wraith Squadron. But uh, but yeah, so that is pretty much how we open the book. Then we get Sorry, introduced to welcome back. I just went over the bar fight at the start. If there's anything. You want to say about that or faces body language skills how do you how do you feel about that i mean it's kind of like the sort of classic x-wing thing of everyone's got like a really exaggerated skill i mean face i think is like at this point way too valuable to even be risking in a starfighter Mm. because he's got like those impressive impersonation skills um he's got yeah body language skills um he should really be doing I, and i think later on he actually gets moved to intelligence which seems to be a much more um yeah much more i don't know the beginning was confusing i was trying to figure out what was going on Me and too. Then i was like okay pretty clever same when it happens they kind of mirror it again later yeah i was i read it twice and i wasn't 100 percent sure it was going yeah. on until uh you get to the scene explaining it afterwards mm-hmm. but uh but we go from there to kellen fannin uh Talking about the plan to use Lara to get into Repnus's good gracious graces, yeah, not gracious. Using the uh, who they think to be a victim of like some terrible, terrible abuse. Yeah, <laughs> take care of like so. It could have been literally anybody. It's like she's pretty. We'll use her. But uh, um, we get her demand for what she wants in order to do this, and she wants a spot in Wraith or Rogue Squadron, mm-hmm. uh, which Face says sure. Before yeah. talking to Wedge, who is yeah. not pleased about this, because he can lose them all their commissions. And he also has no open spots in his squadron anymore, because we are introduced to Shaladia and mm. Kasten. Uh, Kasten, who it turns out is a human supremacist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, they don't really touch on that very much, other than that, like, he does get some... Before his death, he gets a bit of, um, like, empathy, I guess, because he sees that uh, creature being... It, it's a towel. Ta- it's a towel. It's a towel being, tortured? being yeah. like turned into a super killer monster. Yeah. And the fact that he like feels some sort of twinge of empathy was, I guess, his redemption moment before. Yeah. He- or I-, I guess he wasn't really supposed to get redeemed there. It was just some of the people in Race Squadron mm-hmm. are assholes and die assholes. I did think it was kind of interesting though that they totally abandoned the um the like the whole idea of last chance pilots you know because the three people they take on this time they aren't last chance pilots they're just going for people who have kind of the mixed skill of uh the mix like the ground and the flying abilities you know yeah uh i think part of it is just that they have the draw they've established themselves with units so mm-hmm. they don't need to justify their existence anymore or uh lowball what they're doing like right. wedge is probably able to make a better argument for we're actually doing a good job doing important stuff so give me slightly better resources now Mm -hmm. uh rather than risking unit cohesion by trying to build everything from the ground up again like there's still Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know that shala really has the same issues as the rest of them but dia kind of plays it off in their initial meeting as if she doesn't when she's talking to face in the bar where she clearly does (laughs) uh where yeah she kind of like tries to hide it but uh even like wedge is getting some issues at this point because He's like, it's kind of introducing an idea we haven't really seen before of like, he's, he turns down a, like a further commission or a, a promotion 
in last book because obviously he is a great starfighter pilot, but Akbar and probably the rest of the New Republic wants him to be a general. Um, but he would rather be a starfighter pilot because he, th- he thinks it's where he can do the most good. But in this book, he's like, well, maybe it's time to take that because he's like, he like sees, I think Tyria and Kel kissing and he's like, man, I could do some of that in my life. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of uh, Wedge's uh, desire for a family life that kind of comes up where it's not like there's the romantic aspect with that where he's kind of jealous of Kel and Tyria, but there's also a lot of mentions of his sister with uh, Suntir Fell. Not like the usual Star Wars brother sister relationship like we got in <laughs> episode five, but like just having well, that kind of that. yeah, <laughs> having just some sort of life outside of his job. Yeah, uh, yeah, because his his sister Sile is married to Suntir Fell, who Suntir. shows up in this book. R- sort of, yeah, yeah not really, absolutely one hundred percent the real Baron Suntir Fell. It's kind of weird because there's like an implied history there, but you don't see it in the books, like Suntir being part of Rogue Squadron. That yeah. was mostly the comics. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool like that the comics are being brought in like that. Um, but one problem I, I start to get in this book a little bit on that note is the wraiths are pushing the boundaries of like what is reasonable survival, like almost to the limit. Like, catches like the catches technique or whatever catches drill is basically fly as fast as you can through as many enemy starfighters as possible you know what i mean like yeah so it's starting to get to the point where they're seeing too much action to still you know um and when you add in comics and so much implied history you almost get a bit of that too especially where we're still only what like two years after endor uh this is seven and a half years after okay. Yavin, so I think so three two and, and a half, half. Yeah, three or, three yeah. to four years after Endor, I think, okay. yeah. On a side note, um, the reason why I had to leave just now, I should explain. Kelsey messaged me and said, 911, Mayday, in the bathroom. I thought that there was a leak or something. Giant spider. Like, this spider was big enough to literally man its own X-Wing. <laughs> um, like, I was freaked out. Like, this thing was, like, probably, I don't know, three inches long. Did you uh, did you take it outside or did you squash it? Oh no, I, I wasn't touching that thing. I, I hold on, I, I took a picture. Did, uh, of it did your son have to take care of it for you guys? <laughs> he would have, but he was asleep. Actually, okay. yeah. <laughs> I it usually would have been the dogs, but like I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss because Kelsey, when I came back to the podcast, she was like, "You had to come because he could have gotten away and started a family." I'm kind of worried <laughs> that he has. This thing is huge. I'll send you a picture after the stream, but um. Should put that in the thumbnail. Yeah, this this thing was monster. This was like a wolf spider or something. Like this thing was like eating yeah, like strange. people or something. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry for getting so off topic. I should get that off. It's um, the the first appearance of the harch species in Star Wars. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Turn around next moment. He's commanding a Providence class. <laughs> Not just any Providence. A Providence dreadnought. Yeah, big one. Um. Yeah, he wouldn't even need other bridge crew. He was that big. He was an absolute unit. I'm glad he's dead. Uh, but yeah, so the wraith surviving pretty much everything. We, I, I agree with that. At least though, I think the the deaths we do get are handled a little bit better than they were. Agreed. In the original ones, and also there's not as much playing with the whole. Oh, 
They're, they're dead, but not really, which happens to yeah. three... Corin, Tycho, maybe? Yeah, Tycho, Corin, uh, what's his name? Um, Rorjace. Rorjace, yeah. And then it happens with Mirax, but nobody Mirax. cares. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just shows up back at the end even, of the even, uh, Hey, yeah, I'm yeah. back. Even Corin doesn't even really care. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mirax was there, who it turned out hadn't died. We yeah. were all happy. The end. <laughs> Not that happy, though. We could have went with it either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but Fanon's death, especially, because he was... Fanon and Face, they were really fun characters, and his death is, yeah. like, actually really good. Um, one of the... Actually, one of the better Star Wars EU deaths I can think of. Yeah. Like, I um, I didn't like Fanon in uh, Wraith Squadron, but I, like, I started liking him more and mm-hmm. more throughout this book. But then when we got to the... There's a point in the book right before that battle actually i think where fanon and face have uh like a heart to heart about the fact that fanon thinks that he's just repulsive to everyone because of mm-hmm. his injuries and the fact that he can't use bacta to heal which right. it's got to be a very rare thing in star wars to see anyone with yeah. a permanent injury like that uh but at that moment it was like okay he's he's dead like the, yeah this is them resolving his issues and just putting it on face now. So, yeah, but because, well, I mean, the, the bigger issue was that he was kind of a broken person. Yeah. And like, that's kind of what, that's kind of what face says. He's like, it's not your like weird, creepy eye or anything. It's like, it's the fact that like you, like you, you see yourself as having no future because like he was like a doctor. Um, and, and yeah, he's like his, his humor is very funny, but it's always very, um, self-deprecating mm-hmm. like like he says like i wouldn't trust myself with a doctor of my quality <laughs> for example <laughs> um yeah so i don't know like his his death is like it's it's not just a lot of the other you know deaths in the series are um they get shot down in x-wing that's it but with his death it's like he's he it's like he might make it so basically, for those who don't know, he gets shot down during battle. Fane, or sorry, Face, who's Fanon's best friend, um, kind of recovers him and is hauling him across um, kind of this... Is it like a jungle planet, maybe, or like a, like a swamp, I it guess? It seems like uh, Halmat is fairly terrestrial, so we get a few environments. Yeah, but basically, in the like, it's a very kind of interesting image because the uh, Iron Fist is like in orbit like silhouetted by the moon and they just he just dies and it's yeah it's a good moment uh yeah and the the squad actually assumes that face is also dead at that point because mm-hmm. he their base on Halmat is basically getting raided by uh by iron fist when they're doing some fake pirate raids which i guess we'll talk about that in a moment but uh mm-hmm. But as soon as Fanon gets shot down, Face goes down and lands on the planet trying to find him. But uh, but yeah, so one of the main things that happens in this book is uh, it's kind of set up towards the start where Wedge breaks the squadron into three groups and kind of mm-hmm. tells them to brainstorm about what they think Zinj is actually trying to do. Uh, so... Face kind of comes up with the idea that Zinj sees Iron Fist more than just as a military tool, but as a symbol uh, 
because Zinj used to command a victory star destroyer called Iron Fist mm-hmm. and applied the same name to a super star destroyer. Uh, so it's a very symbolic thing for him of his own rise to power. And he face kind of theorizes, well, two things. The main relevant thing for this book is that uh, is that Zinj is probably going to try to steal a new Super Star Destroyer. And the second thing he theorizes is that uh, we're going to be doing an episode on X-Wing Isar's Revenge. So... <laughs> yeah, and he basically is like, what if Isar's not dead? And like... I was just thinking, and like it shakes Wedge to his core, and I'm just like, so what if she's not? Like she was trash. <laughs> like, like she was, she was not good. Like Zinja's, Zinja's beefier. He's sexier. He's more dangerous. He's got a better mustache and a better belly. Like, why would you ever be scared yeah. of Isard after facing off against Big Daddy? Well, one thing that I didn't understand about uh, about how Face got to that conclusion is mm-hmm. uh, I would have loved to see this address in the book. Maybe we'll talk about it next book. But if this yeah. art is alive, what color are her eyes? It never came up. I think she's probably got... I think they probably just change kind of freely. Yeah, see, I, I've always thought that she had like two green eyes. Uh, but it, it just would have been nice to have Ooh, some... I, yeah, I thought they were just brown. Well, it as if we got some sort of confirmation in the book. Wait, so... but doesn't she have kind of a duality of personality where sometimes her evilness is cold like ice and sometimes it's angry like fire? Well, I think uh, I think you're thinking of uh, icy hot packs, not <laughs> no, not as sorry. I'm thinking of um, what's her name from um, Trusa Pakura, uh, Gariel Captizan. <laughs> <laughs> what a callback! Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually shocked that I was able to call her name back because I'm terrible with names and we don't see uh, Well, actually, until, she she uh, shows up in another trilogy. book, uh, but she's got a, a secret secret identity. Where Gary oh, Captison becomes Daryl Baptison. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you, yeah, that, we're calling back to jokes from this podcast, yeah. other podcasts. <laughs> That's when we really jump the sharp. It, it just becomes entirely self referential humor. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so basically, there, Zinj is an interesting villain because he's definitely not in it purely for the. He, well, he's interesting for for a few reasons. He seems to be a lot more reasonable than many Imperials, somewhat, sometimes anyway. Like, there was one moment where he has somebody assat, like killed on his bridge who was basically playing a fighter simulator. Um, yeah. But other times, like, the way he deals with pirates is very reasonable. Um, he's cruel, but not as cruel as, like, others. Although he does do things like, like he he's doing that sort of project to weaponize aliens, which is obviously pretty shitty. Um, and he's also but, giving the New Republic false leads about planets so that they'll go and basically bomb civilian mm-hmm. or local military targets. So we can just come in and be the hero. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he, I don't know. He just seems reasonable with his subordinates. Like he takes some flack from. I think he takes some flack from. Uh, what's his name? Like the. Uh, the implacable. What's the commander of the implacable again? Trigit. Um, Trigit. Yeah, he takes some. He, like he takes some lip from Trigit in the last uh, book. In this one, he takes quite a bit from Melvar, um, and like he doesn't execute them. Like around like Isard, you can't talk freely because she'll just like kill you. Yeah. Well, I think the the thing about Zinj is it's more that despite some of the memes, he ends up being less of the evil McBad guy caricature than a lot of other uh, Imperial leaders do. Totally. 
uh, and like there, there's some elements of that, but it, it's stuff that's fairly reasonable for someone who is uh, that kind of like military dictator. So yeah. like how no one's allowed to look at him when he's fallen down or helping. Yeah, him, where you get those kind of like quirks of megalomania, but still at the same time, he's more believable. I think that kind of comes across yeah. as him being more reasonable, even though he's like clearly you know, that's a, a horrible person. A bit of cult of personality thing going on too. Like, yeah, I, I couldn't figure out whether whether this was true or not. But at one point, he's like drinking on his ship, and it like smells like liquor. It looks like liquor, and um, Melvar says Zinj was known for acting drunk, even around like subordinates and uh, other officers. But everyone knew Zinj never drank when in command of a superstar destroyer. So basically, he's implying that like Zinj just does this for the um, like to keep people on their toes, basically. Yeah. And uh, to me, though, I took that as Zinj is just straight up lying, and he does drink um, because like he's really fat, and like I don't know, it just doesn't seem to me like he's like you know, he, like he doesn't seem like somebody who's very regimented in that way. Yeah, I kind of just took that as Zinj does drink. He's got his basically his own little bar set up, and his weird. Um, little con- like his weird little space, but like he's just so like like alpha male that he just tells people he doesn't, and they're like, "Well, I guess he doesn't." I could I could see that being the case, but also so much of what he does is like uh, performance. Yeah. So like I I kind of saw him as a they talk about him being like on solo as arch nemesis and Mm-mm. rival and everything, but he really comes across more as a foil for face in the book. Mm-hmm. Where they're both that yeah. same kind of performance, performance, yeah, over dramatic and stuff. Mm-hmm. I do like how he's just described at one point as like short and fat. It's just like he's short and he's fat. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's not, not the like, kind of guy like, you'd expect to be an imperial officer. Most Star Wars books, like if someone's fat, especially an imperial, they'll describe him as being like well muscled, but with a like. They'll say he has a powerful chest, but covered with a little fat. Or he was tall and broad, but with a large belly. Usually, like, but in this case, just like, no, the dude was short and he was fat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the the fighter simulator guy on the bridge, he finds that out because he's, like, his his room is just a hollow projection or a recreation of the bridge. He's able to, like, go and look over all of his subordinate shoulders while he's doing stuff. So he he's seems extra. like he's always on duty. So if he's ever drinking yeah. anything, it's yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's, he didn't even drink when he's in command of a ship. So I assume he just doesn't anymore ever. Yeah. Um, what do you think? So we, we kind of you kind of touch on this. Basically, what do you think of uh, Han being given? Well, I guess he already had the commission from Endor. But what do you think of him being in command of Solo Command? That's always been one of the weirdest things to me is the idea of Han as this fleet commander position, because he clearly hates the job, too. And uh, it's probably one of the bigger New Republic fleets we see, too, because he says he's split it into three groups. So he had, like, three capital uh, ships, which is huge for this series. In Solo Command, we actually get a full breakdown of his ships. And he's got, like... I think he's got, like, six or seven in total, because I remember one of the fleets has two Star Destroyers. Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's packing some some serious power. But we'll get into the superpowers of Monromon later, I assume. Yeah, Jesus, the thing takes a full broadside from a superstar destroyer like nothing. 
I mean, you know, his tactics aren't, aren't especially good either. The Superstar Destroyer is running and I Let's guess it sit works. in front of him, guys. <laughs> yeah. Two Superstar Destroyers? Like he's like, let's just get in front of it. I don't know why early season Homer Simpson is here. <laughs> but uh yeah, so when we find out about Zinja's fake bridge, we get Melvar's creepy sneaking up on him thing, which I one of my favorite subplots in the book is Melvar <laughs> trying to freak Zinja out. Uh but that's when we learn about uh that they're trying to get Gera's attention get her back into imperial service under them mm-hmm. and uh is i'm not sure if that's when they uh no that's not when they make their plan to lure her out but that's when they start talking about how she's pretty early in the republic yeah because yeah, she's not with raid squadron just yet uh so they wouldn't have that plan yet but mm-hmm. they do express an interest in her at that point mm-hmm. um, yeah because they 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 know she's sort of embedded within the the New Republic by now, but she's yeah. also going through this um, kind of internal struggle, which I, I actually think the way the book deals with it is pretty interesting because so she's going through this internal struggle, um, and she her background is is in Imperial intelligence, and she's basically getting to the point where at certain points when she's under a lot of stress, she almost like disassociates and like sometimes she even forgets like who she like which one of her um identities is reality yeah i I really liked how they handled most sorry no go ahead Uh, i really liked how they handled most of this stuff with her it's just i did find the position she was coming from to be a little weird with how they justified uh why she was switching sides Mm because with her position in intelligence you'd think that there would be okay because it was like her skill set is as a performer, basically. So you'd think there'd be a lot more interaction with enemy forces, but it's right. basically the fact that she was exposed to the enemy force, to the New Republic or Rebel forces. And she's mm-hmm. like, "Oh wait, these guys aren't actually monsters, and I don't necessarily want to kill them." So yeah, it it just seems like the kind of thing she should have been exposed to before, and I mm-hmm. thought that was a little bit weird that she yeah, was just like, getting those. It's kind of surprising now. that even the intelligence. Um, personnel are so heavily indoctrinated like mm-hmm. you you would want them to uh, to generally kind of have a good idea of what's really going on um, but yeah uh, interesting character though and yeah we'll see more from her obviously in the next book mm-hmm. um, what was I going to say though so Let's talk basically about Zinja's. I guess, do you want to talk about Zinja's plan for her? Or do you want to kind of keep in order? I guess? Uh, we'll probably get to that in a minute just because we're. We I guess we'll talk about the Hawk Bats and then. The Wraith's general setup, basically. Yeah, because so, we, I guess, like most X Wing books, there's a lot of time dedicated to like talking about their base and their HQ and their general like mission setup. So in this one, it's kind of weird. They're in like a basically an abandoned asteroid, which has been hollowed out um, by some mining guild. Um, Tonheld Mining Corp. That's what you're. Tonheld uh, Mining Corp. Site three A three. Yeah, um, and unfortunately, they don't get to keep the uh, CR ninety they customized from last uh, time, which is too bad because it's a pretty cool ship they got going. Yeah, well, Wedge has a pretty good point with that. I think where yeah, like the the idea to start acting like pirates is basically based on piggy's conclusions from the earlier thing about 
uh, finding out what Zinj is after, where Piggy says, we should act like pirates because Zinj is apparently trying to court pirates and has all these secret financial interests. Yeah. Uh, so they set up on Halmad with that freighter. And mm-hmm. uh, one of them, I think it's Kel, asks, uh, why are we not using Nightcaller? And Wedge's like, yeah, the, the Corellian Corvette happens to help destroy Implacable. Then another Corellian Corvette yeah. shows up. It'd be a little bit suspicious there, buddy. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, like they 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 run the tie interceptors on missions for and against Inge. Yeah, like I don't know, like it's just kind of disappointing. But I like I understand it. the The new freighter they have, they don't spend hardly any time with it. And this is one thing that I messaged you about while we were reading. So they they're on this in this asteroid belt, which I guess is in the same system of the planet they're raiding. Mm-hmm. Um, but it never really talks about like how they get to and from the asteroid belt, because most of the time they're flying TIE interceptors because they're supposed to be pirates. Um, and they steal those TIE interceptors from that planet, actually. So I guess they're just flying sublight to and from their base every time, which seems yeah. to be like a, a well, really the, bad idea. The main base is on the planet, because uh, I'm pretty sure Face walks there, right? So... Um, when, 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 face cra- when Face crashes... No, he, he leaves in his tie interceptor. Does he? Oh, right. Okay, yeah. so never mind. Yeah, because their main base is in the asteroid because we get that scene where um, where Min is like practicing his zero-G yeah. shooting, which kind of comes into play later on. Yeah, so I, it's probably just either short enough distance or uh, they go a bit and sublet with the freighter and then jump. Yeah. I guess it doesn't really matter. It's just—it's like, not really something they need to explicitly say in the book very much. No, it's, it's just like for nerds like us, we're just like, yeah. excuse me. Um, first of all, ties have no landing apparatus, <laughs> so how are they landing here? Second of all, no hyperdrive. Also, uh, Corn forgot to do his uh, startup sequence, and he was flying a new ship for the first time. I find that highly irregular. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we never actually see in the book when Lara's seat gets adjusted after Repness has her fighter. So is she just uncomfortable the whole book? Through implication, where he has to slightly kneel under the ladder. So we can tell that he's about four inches taller, so. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Aaron Alston. <laughs> Scrub. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh... We get the breakdown of their new base and their uh, Zytar fa- or I'm never sure how to pronounce it. Zytar Zytar freighter, the Halmad base. Uh, then we get we get the raid on the Halmad base to get the five tie interceptors, which right. it kind of works as a way for them to introduce the scales of the yeah. new wraiths more than anything, especially yeah. Shala and Kastin. Yeah. Where Kasten's like saying, "Oh, if, if you set off too many different flags for stuff that's not supposed to be happening, basically go on full alert." And mm. Shal is like doing a bunch of commando stuff to get a skimmer. And yeah, that seemed yeah. a little unnecessary because it's like I can. This book has a few situations where like characters are sent off. Like Shala is sent off a couple times on her own. Didn't quite understand what her purpose was. Uh, she goes through a lot of work to steal that skimmer. Yeah. Then she this book kind of suffers from like the the very common X-wing thing, where like their plan hinges on so many things, so many assumptions working. Like this plan is just it's ridiculous. It's super fun, but it's ridiculous. Like yeah. basically, they want to be attract Zinj's attention, so they steal tie interceptors and pretend to be pirates and raid this planet that Zinj will hopefully notice. You know, yeah, it, like um, this 
It's a pretty long sequence, and it basically just serves to set up the fact that like everything they're going to do uh, with the battle for Razor's Kiss will work. And yeah. in that battle, Shala kind of takes over both her and Kasten's jobs, because yeah. Kasten makes a program later, uh, which we'll talk about uh, the repercussions yeah. of, to kind of, if they can plug it into the Iron Fist or Razor's Kiss, they can track it, and that's how they're going to get Mon Ramonda to the Razor's Kiss slash Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shala ends up being the one to put that in. So she's doing her commando duties plus Kasten's computer duties. Yeah, because Kasten's uh, a loser, basically. <laughs> Um, one thing about seeing of Mon Ramonda, because we do, I, I think we see it pretty early on. They don't acknowledge that it's like this new Mon Calamari cruiser because in the the later established lore, it's an MC80B, which is kind mm-hmm. of like a, a midway ship between the MC80 line and the like fully uh, MC90 warships. Yeah, um, it's basically but- like the the first production warship that the Mon Calamari right. do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we don't really get any acknowledgement of that. I was, I did a little video on it though, and I found it, it gets destroyed during, uh, Operation Shadow Hand, I think. So that poor ship. Yeah. Funnily enough, right after Han is no longer on it. I think it's eaten by a world devastator, but I could be wrong. Uh, That's a fate that no one deserves. Yeah. Probably got turned into a couple tides. There's tides out there that are made out of Mon Ramonda. (laughs) <laughs> and is that why the world devastators still aren't working Corey? because you're upset about mon ramonda yeah hashtag justice for mon ramonda <laughs> uh, no abilities a... for world devastators and thrawn's revenge until that gets mm. addressed one thing and that's gonna kind of brings me to a point that i wanted to mention so a lot of people who probably maybe not who are podcast but i know who watch my channel and probably watch yours um hear the lore that we kind of talk about like i'm always talking about like the nebula star destroyer or whatever else no that's just assume, literally all you talk about yeah the nebula or the viscount or whatever else and they assume that like a star wars legends book is like you know it will be like the new republic fleet was made up of 16 ships one viscount class star defender three like etc yeah. etc et in reality it's like there was a mon calamari cruiser yeah or like even like i noticed this a lot during my new jedi order reread um so for example the mc90 and stuff we learn about that in whatever books it's in and mostly in the essential guide to warfare so they have there's this sort of history of new republic ship design in reality is it followed not really because it'll be like 25 like 25 aby and they'll be like an mc80a popped out of um hyperspace or whatever and that's if you're lucky enough to get any kind of designation yeah exactly the cruiser which could be anything from 25 meters to sixteen (laughs) thousand. that's like the uh we still have no idea and there's so many like mysteries too like we don't know what the it it gets it it doesn't get worse as time goes on but like there are more there are many important ships we learn nothing about like the uh the megador from the swarm war yeah and actually, just the the last scene, one of the last scenes in Fate of the Jedi is Jaina being married aboard the Megador. Or no, Jerry not being married aboard the Megador. Them leaving the Megador. And we still don't even know what kind of Super Star Destroyer it is. I was so annoyed that I tweeted at Troy Denning and he was like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of the funny things about the Megador and Dominion, I think for both of them, we get engine counts. Yeah, we do. Uh, and they don't match up with anything, <laughs> up with anything uh, yeah. which is kind of why in Thrawn's Revenge, eventually we're going to make... 
like one a belter and one a mandate or two, just so that they're slightly related. Sense. But yeah, and it's really just like they're super and they're a star destroyer. What do you want? But yeah, I mean it's the same. Way. It's annoying too because we even get like we get like the uh, the new star destroyers, like the Bloodfin and the uh, Turbulent and stuff. I'm sorry, the Bloodfin was a Turbulent, I think. Either Turbulent and the the other class the Empire uses, but whatever. And it's just like their new Star Destroyer, it was it was a little smaller. <laughs> yeah. Like the there are th- the only series I can really think of off the top of my head that kind of prioritizes that, like this fleet, fleet group. Yeah. And that's that's uh those are some books. They're yeah. they're not they're not some of the better Star Wars books if you're looking for like I just the can't wait to say Taljacon Vagabond. Mm. That'll be fun. But um <laughs> but yeah, so we do get a lot of detail about like fighter squadrons in this, which is nice, but we never really get that, you know, in fleet combat in these books is really kind of sometimes it's handled really well. Like I think it's handled decently in the last book, and this one not so much. Yeah, uh I feel like I like uh, Aaron Austin's character development better, but I like the combat from Michael Stackpole a bit better. Yeah, I, I agree completely. But I don't, I don't think it's like necessarily bad, but no, there's no, definitely I, I some stuff that doesn't gel super well with what we know Sup- about It's not the ships. super modern in a way, if that yeah. makes sense. And I'm this book that- also goes with the... Uh, uh, with the assumption or with the earlier figures of like eight kilometers for yeah. for an SSD, yes, which yes, kind of yes. makes it a little bit more reasonable what happens later, mm-hmm. but still not super reasonable. But yeah, yeah. Another thing too, I know that I, I just I just kind of was just thinking about this. Alston doesn't really do very much uh, like greater um, sort of world development. Um, like in the X-wing novels, and this might be because the the rogues are kind of, um, I, I guess they're 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 seeing more of the galaxy, and they have kind of more broad missions. But we get a lot of like, we learn a lot more about the state of the empire and the New Republic. Um, this not really. It's kind of we're learning a lot about the squadron. Yeah, with uh, well, with rogue squadron, they're kind of like the upper crust of society. So we get a yeah. lot of scenes where it's. Uh, New Republic Council meetings, but then with the Wraiths, they're kind of the the flip side of that. So we get a lot of pirate activity. Yeah. So, but like one thing that I guess kind of bothers me a little bit is they're always talking. I meant to just bring this up. They're often talking about like the state of the Empire. So it's like Zinge, the Empire, and they're clearly distinct entities, which makes sense. And then um, the New Republic. But we don't really learn much about. We get like one line in this book about the Empire is like, and I guess, but like we don't really know much about who's running it, uh, like what their greater goals are right now because they've been pushed out of Coruscant. What kind of strength they have? Um, it's just kind of Zinge as like this because he's he's guy who's using Imperial stuff, really. Yeah, like I think. Between even with Isardon Typhera, we don't really hear too much about what's going on with the broader empire because right. at that point she's kind of isolated from mm-hmm. uh I guess the Moff Council or whoever you would want to say is in charge of that. Mm-hmm. And then between her and Thrawn, you don't get really get 
too much of it. Or you have uh, Taryn Rogris working with on and or yeah. kind of working with on, but against Zinge and he's kind of representing the empire there, but even he's not, he's not like in charge of the empire. He's just no, no. the senior ranking Northeast fleet commander. Yeah. I think this has to do a lot of with the fact that they were sort of not written into a corner, but like they're working off of courtship of princess Leia, I guess. Yeah. Um, they're sort of building up to that. Um, but yeah. Uh, I guess, yeah, so after that we get into Lara finishing her training. Do you want to just go into, like, we'll just jump to where she shuts down Repness? Like, she gets approached in the same way that Tyria kind of does. Oh, yeah. And then she, rather than, she's kind of told by Fanon and Face, like, once he approaches you, just call us. Mm -hmm. And Wedge's thing is like, how? We're... Yeah, they're like hidden on an asteroid somewhere. Yeah, and then but, she's uh, just, she just says, "No, I'm I'm just going to take care of this myself." Turns this device uh, that Repness uses to block out recording mm-hmm. into a recorder, and yeah, then dumps somehow. the data to herself. And on top of the uh, the recorded attempts to make these deals to get black market fighters, uh, he apparently uses it in, uh, I think. Lara calls them more personal moments. Yeah, he's on his Pornhub account. <laughs> Passwords. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of reminds me of they've got something similar in uh, Truce of Pakura. Remember, it's like the the little nullifier they put. Not for recordings, but like yeah. blocks. Uh, the really expensive devices. bulbs of recording blocking. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, uh, so yeah, she, so she, then she tries to intimidate him and he's just like, nah like beats the shit out of her, like kicks her in the head. And then we don't really get any resolution of that. It's just like kind of handled off screen. Yeah, we're we're just kind of told, oh yeah, he's gone. But mm-hmm. here's this new member of Wraith Squadron. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah, it says, she like, gets his fighter. So he's yeah. presumably entirely gone. Yeah. Uh, but you'd think there'd be like something between Kraken and Wedge at some point, because there's such concern over what this is going to do uh, to enter intelligence where like they don't find out that anyone was involved but it just would have been I don't know, it seems nice pretty obvious because it. she she goes out of her way to not include any of the other pilots like the scores only yeah. her own um, I don't know yeah it just seems like the whole investigation just gets dropped at that point I feel like if Wedge just talked to Kraken like they probably could have sorted something out <laughs> yeah like Wedge wouldn't have the same issue that Tyria has of like I don't know who's in on this, mm-hmm. where at that point like Wedge has a working relationship with Kraken, and after especially after everything with Tycho, then yeah, you'd totally. have to assume that he's probably not involved. I mean, yeah, I, I guess uh, the the real sticker is that um, Tyria doesn't want to talk about it because she's yeah. worried it like they'll. But after after face goes to uh goes to wedge with it you'd think there'd be some other way for wedge to be like hey let's find a solution for this that doesn't involve like yeah just uh, an abuse like, victim sh- back yeah. in or like I, I think wedge could have just been like there's a member of my squad like i'll tell you this information but you've got to promise that you don't demote her because she's not really worried about um i don't think she's worried about she's mostly worried about being kicked out of the the fighter core for not yeah. being good enough isn't she but like the fact that she's flying decently 
at this point, she's like one of the, the second worst Wraith, I think. The fact that she's flying decently, like, I don't know. Yeah. She's probably better than, um, than what's his name, the new guy? Um, Castin. Castin. Yeah. Because he's, he's given the Wraith 2 designator and flies next to Wedge, which he thinks is like a big honor, but it's like, nah, like Wedge is worried you're going to get yourself vaped. Yeah, this whole book is just like shitting on Castin, which I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, uh, Die Ghost in the chat says um, Wedge and Face were worried one of Kraken's immediate lieutenants were in on it. Yeah, I guess that's true, but still. Yeah, but you'd think if Kraken. there's anyone qualified to handle that situation, exactly, it'd be Kraken. Where he would, would call Pash. Like, Pash could, you know. Yeah, it, and Pash is good at everything. Yeah. So. Pash is too good to deal with a situation like this. It just seems like there were better solutions to this, because basically if... If anything goes wrong with Lara, then mm-hmm. they have no reason to think she has any of the skills for yeah. this. And that would expose literally all of them to every repercussion they're afraid of. Because like well, we know as the readers that she is this <laughs> Intel operative who has these piloting skills. To them, she is literally just someone who was a farmer who was essentially used as a sex slave by an Imperial officer. And the only reason she's qualified for this is because she was in a medical room next to Tan. Yeah. No, like, she's also attractive. Don't forget. Oh yeah. And that, which uh, it just seems like the absolute worst way they could have gone through with it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Like that. It's assuming a whole bunch of things that they couldn't assume, like they, there's no reason they should have been assuming about Lara, while also assuming that Kraken is so bad at his job that if Wedge went to him with these concerns, Kraken would just immediately turn around to anyone who could be a possible suspect there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Yeah, let's move on. There's a lot of questionable decisions in all of the yeah. X-Wing books. <laughs> But yeah, um, so that's when uh, Zinj and Malvar now start setting up a plan to lure Lara Nazo back to Aldeve, which is her uh, the real Lara Nazo's homeworld. Mm-hmm. And they plan to use her brother. And I'm not entirely sure if it was her actual brother, if it was the same fake records to make an Imperial operative seem like her brother. I think it was her actual brother. Okay, but so the whole thing about him it's... being a, a dude. Yeah, he knows it's not real yeah. Lara. But I wasn't sure if like the backstory of he's just a scummy guy was something made yeah, up because he was literally supposed to be in jail, but he was yeah. somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So that, but, that seems to be real. Yeah. So that sets up that subplot to get her back, which doesn't really go many places. It just turns into more ruminating by Loran whether or not she wants to be a wraith or an imperial or uh, how to best sever those ties and get away from mm-hmm. uh exposing herself either to Zinj or to the New Republic because we finished this book without her having told anyone uh, what her real identity is or how she came to be with them. Uh, and she's especially concerned about Mindonos finding out because yeah. she was partially responsible for uh, the destruction of Talon Squadron, which is what gave him uh, his PTSD issues. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it was like largely her too because she was the one who... Yeah. Yeah. She helps splice the like the fake information in. Yeah. And of course, herd men are also kind of developing a bit of a relationship. Um but we'll deal more with that in the next book, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. 
because I do think they end up together if I remember correctly. Um, so yeah, that's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> um remember when you got all of my friends killed yeah yeah literally everyone but me <laughs> um yeah i don't know it, it, it is an interesting thing so the plan is basically to show up as the brother uh the brother also they like photoshop family pictures and stuff just like in the background to like have her face as part of them which yeah. was kind of kind of creepy and kind of cool um and she's just like this is this is gross and Kind of through all that, she realizes, plus the the Zinj's overall strategy, that Zinj also isn't a man of and that, like, the rebels aren't, like, she's kind of accepted for the first time, and, you know, she feels, she's feeling yeah. the love for the first time, so. Yeah, like, I liked that a lot more than uh, the focus on, like, oh, it turns out the rebels aren't attack dogs, because I thought the yeah. rest of that was done really well, it was just the... Yeah, the sudden understanding that rebels aren't attack dogs that yeah. i and that's only like, really one scene too yeah. like when they're in the hangar and they're like they're like okay we'll try not to kill people she's like tie pilots would just be like let's blast shit <laughs> but i, I do you want to just resolve the rest of like that recruitment subplot here so we don't have to jump sure. back to it later uh when- yeah so they go to the the planet um they kind of like split everyone up they go to the planet it's her and um min min yeah because he's a sniper um her brother's there he basically says all right there's a couple of options uh they find out that min's in the hills with a sniper rifle trained on the house they're off to go kill him uh first they want her to put a homing beacon on the ship but it's like it's not like a tiny thing it's like a big um like really expensive large piece of machinery she's like that won't be possible then like okay let's just take your x-wings and go back to uh the iron fist and she's like no and she kills um it's Min and um, I'm uh, sorry, it's Rossick her brother and yeah. her brother, like Tharvin or something. That, yeah, I just made that up. Yeah. I think I just made that up, but I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically where that ends. Where she kind of makes her final decision that she is not going to rejoin the Imperials. Uh, like again, it's a little bit later in the book, but just so we don't end up. Going too much back and forth. We do get a nice scene between Tyria and uh, uh, and Lara for that when uh, she actually gets the request to go to the planet, where Lara kind of right. goes through a sequence of a bunch of wraiths looking for a place where she can just go and punch something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, she has the scene with Tyria, then she has an exchange with Kel, and then Min, and, and they all have their own like uh, way to let off steam because yeah. they're all kind of broken people. It felt like a disassociating a a bit. Yeah, it felt a bit like a a series of conversations in a JRPG where she was just walking down the hallway. (laughs) I've been playing way too much Fire Emblem. Uh, Where did she get her uh, Phoenix Downs? I think isn't that a thing? I think so. That's the earlier Tavin, not so. So I wasn't that far off. Um, Um, One thing, yeah. So so that gets resolved and. One thing I wanted to mention too, earlier when they're kind of establishing themselves as pirates, they're uh, attacking this freighter. And I couldn't figure out who the freighter actually belonged to. Because so the New Republic has this thing. They don't like when um, even like special operations squads are allowed to engage in piracy because it usually ends with uh, whoever's leading the squad basically taking, not not kickbacks, but basically taking a cut. Yeah, just becoming actual pirates. Yeah, or a warlord even. but who like 
So they're they're attacking this freighter that they basically they find out the information because I think Face gets one of the guys drunk. Yeah. Um, and they end up robbing it twice. Are they robbing from the planet there? Is that or is that like a private person? Because it's not the Empire. I think they're um, private, but they were also running cargo for the Imperials in some capacity. Because wasn't okay. there a tie interceptor? Yeah, there on was. one of them parts. Yeah. So there was something where they weren't just like a straight up legit business. Mm. So I think there was some target selection with that, but I don't remember that part enough to be 100 percent confident in that. <laughs> you know? But yeah. yeah, and it was really just uh, really mean of them to get the, the information, basically <laughs> track them and rob them Jesus. again. Yeah, yeah. Nice doing business with you, he says as he puts <laughs> his family into poverty. <laughs> we don't kill anyone though. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do you have a moment to talk about how economic policies kill people, General Carton? <laughs> yeah, as his children lay starving. Uh, well, that's what they had to do. Like they, yeah. they had to raid the Imperial base. They had to get uh, whatever they were getting from there. Run just gets really into the whole pirate persona too. He you was... know they should have just done though. Repair the goddamn Lusankia that they 100% own at this point. That's uh, medical research right now. You can't use an SSD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't just put medical research on some freaking planet somewhere. I think it would have been a bit more suspicious to Zinj if uh, the Hawkbats were running around with an SSD. <laughs> so well, if they traded Nightcaller for Lusankia, that would be bad. <laughs> in the new canon, there's a pirate superstar destroyer. I think it's the Annihilator, maybe. Did Booster Tarek get upgraded? Kind of. But yeah, it's like a. It is. It is kind of similar because it's like a floating city, basically. That's they steal it from the empire. Nice. Yep. They the upkeep on that's just got to be ridiculous. Yeah, I would yeah. not want that. No. Uh, but we get a bunch of appearances of the most famous Ockbat pilot, Lieutenant Ketch, the oh, Ewok, yes. who Wedge essentially has to do like. Uh, marionette performance as he's flying where he's painted his this is at the, I feel like that wasn't necessary <laughs> probably not just in case I feel like they should have just told Zinj that like no that's not actually an Ewok it's just something we do to f- screw with people but that would have been less fun yeah that's so, true but like I don't know I feel like Zinj like marionetting pilot as he's like flying through hordes of fighters is just like yeah I, I wasn't clear if it was just like the Ewok stitched to the front of Wedge, which has to be kind of restrictive because they're not tiny. And yeah, well, he he describes it as being restrictive too. I w- I wouldn't risk my life like that. I'd maybe put like one of those window stickers up of just an Ewok. <laughs> yeah, Corey only cosplays in his uh, as a furry in his personal time. Well, if I'm driving, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I I can't. I got a picture of a dog as my uh, yeah. Photo, so I gotta be very careful. It always get asked, "Are you a furry?" And it's just it's like, no, it's just a stupid meme. I I wasn't sure about that when I first found your channel. Oh, I'm not God. gonna lie. I gotta fix but. that. <laughs> I gotta. I'm gonna edit my logo just in the just at the very top. I'm gonna put the word "not" at the very bottom. A furry. <laughs> just so we're clear. Hey, whatever you're into. Uh, what's What's after that? So a lot of surprise at all. They don't all suck. Doesn't mm. kill Wedge on. Okay, yeah. So that's the yeah. the next thing we get is a big family reunion between all the 
rogues and wraiths, uh, where Zinja is supposed to think that the wraiths are with Rogue Squadron on Mon Ramonda the whole time, uh, mm-hmm. but obviously they're off doing their pirating stuff and other wraithy activities. And uh, but we do finally get that meeting between them, where uh, we finally get to see all our favorite characters, like Nawara Ven in particular. <laughs> Listen, he's very important in Fate of the Jedi, okay? Hey, I actually really like Noara. Me I'm too. just I'm upset we didn't get any oral, but Oh uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do like how with Noara though, like if you don't under if you don't if you haven't read the X Wing books or the earlier books, you're missing out because they make like reference to him being an attorney. Like they make a law joke, but they don't explain that he's a lawyer really. Yeah. Um so that's kinda cool. It's like that like they're throwing them in there, but yeah, I still miss like Corin and Tycho. We do get some Tycho, but yeah. miss, we get like some. one or two throwaway line from lines from Corin in each book too, just to keep that yeah. continuity. But we get a scene with uh with Nawara, Taldira, who's the other rogue squadron, Twi'lek, and oh, yeah. Dia. About him. Where they're like stuck I think they're stuck in an elevator or something. <laughs> Not stuck, but they're in an elevator, and Nawara decides this is the best time to make small talk. Like, mm-hmm. so let's talk about Ryloth. And She's like, I was actually a sex slave. Can you go away, please? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then Taldira, who is uh, known for his social grace, is like, yeah, you really messed that <laughs> up, buddy. But yeah, I like Taldira. Um, that's funny because I couldn't remember if he was dead or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always yeah. think of him as dead, and then he shows up in the subsequent books, and it's, oh. Do you think is he flying an X wing now, or is he still? He's not still in his. Uh, I think he has an X wing once he's actually joined rogue squadron i don't think he kept the chidaki too bad neat little thing uh, but noara points out that with mon ramada tracking down every lead they get from zinj Mm -hmm. uh there's the possibility that zinj is putting in false leads and just getting him to soften and getting han to go and soften target so he can go in and be like hey the new republic attacked you you should join me and you can't defend yourselves against me so uh and it turns out he is right and uh yeah they kind of put that to the test with the next planet they're going to raid where they go and they attack the, the planet defenses anyways. But mm-hmm. that's when they find out that uh, there was no Raptor response. So Zinja's elite forces are called the Raptors. Yeah. And the fact that there was no Raptors fighting them was kind of their uh, dead giveaway that this was just a planet that Zinj wanted them to come and soften up for him. And they still do, which is kind of weird. Because- yeah. They should have just turned and ran, but they don't. They kind of needed something to draw Zinj out, but it's like, no, at this point, you are literally just doing the thing he wants you to do. Mm -hmm. Granted to confirm your suspicions, but like, yeah, you probably could have come up with a better plan for that. The the Raptors aren't at this point. They don't actually aren't being said to use the Tire Raptor, are they? I don't know if we see any Tire Raptors, but at least we do see a couple of the Raptor Troopers. Because uh, I don't think there's any mention of Thai Raptors in this. Like we get just general ties referenced, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess since they're not really specified, it probably can be retconned as a Thai Raptor. Yeah. yeah. They destroyed a bunch of the Thai fighters. I think there's uh, at least four confirmed kills on the planetary defense forces that we get. Yeah. Uh, actually, Wedge gets two. Lara gets one, and. Another rogue or another wraith that I can remember gets two. I can't remember which mm-hmm. one it was, but there's at least five def- fighters that they kill there before Iron Fist shows up. 
Right. And some of, to be fair, some of those are also on the way out too because they get attacked yeah. by the moon base. Um Yeah. Makes sense. But uh the big thing with that battle though, it's mostly focusing on Lara and how she is flying with Wedge. And she has multiple opportunities where she's like, I'm flying against these Imperial pilots and I'm kind of hoping I'm not going to have to kill any Imperials because when I get back, how's that going to be looked at? And then mm-hmm. she's like, oh, I'm flying with Wedge. I can target Wedge. He's right there. I could shoot Wedge. I could kill Wedge. Am I going to kill Wedge? I'm not going to kill Wedge. Here I am not killing Wedge. And yeah. the whole chapter is really just that. But, yeah. Because that's also when we get the first bit of the, uh, like her her kind of experiencing what the Rebels were really like as well. Yeah. And, like it was the the meeting on Mon Ramada right before then where she made the comment about because one of the uh, things for her is him. trust as well. Yeah. She's like Wedge puts all his full shields forward basically. And she's like, wow, he really, really trusts me. Yeah. And then later she's like, uh, she's like, yeah, I find this to be addicting. Like the, the trust that people give me. She's really into that. Yeah. And uh, that was where it was like uh, Trigit and Zinj are dishonorable. Mm-hmm. And why did I add in Zinj? Like, okay, none of them are worthy of uh, yeah. what I yeah. was kind of putting into them. And uh, yeah, so any more on Lavisar for you? I don't think that there is something I have, but I think I gone and done forgot it. Um, oh no, no, I think I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty much it. All right. For that. Uh, so I guess yeah, that brings us to the uh, the second raid on Halmad, where they were. The plan was to rig up a tanker with a bunch of explosion explosives. Mm-hmm. Uh, the explosions come later, and mm-hmm. they were going to attack a starfighter base. I think it was. Yeah, they were like making two at the same time. They wanted to take one out. Yeah, and this is where Ironfish shows up over the planet, and it's like, nah, that's gonna be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, they start getting attacked by all the fighters. This is when Ton gets shot down. Face goes down to help him, and Mindanos has like a. He shoots. They lose contact with their way to blow stuff up, uh, and they decide or they end up using the tanker to blow a hole in the hangar. Yeah, uh, yeah, the tractor beam of the uh, the Iron Fist, and then they're like, "Well, they they like they set it up so they're shooting like data in the laser as well, like the yeah, because it's it's like a signal to to blow the thing up." They rig his sniper rifle to be a like a cell ta- a targeted cell tower. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Which, Which is weird because that's not really how lasers work. Yeah. But it's like, eh, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. And it kind of it's like a little callback to that scene where he's practicing in zero G earlier. Or he talks about practicing in yeah. the caves. Yeah. The I really range. I really like the scene where the uh the iron fist is like the things exploding in her belly. And I forget who it is, but they're just like, please crack in half. They're like, please. They're just like waiting for the giant ship to like just snap in half because it's a pretty big explosion. And it doesn't, of course, but it's just yeah. like, and later we get the scene where they're like looking at it. It's like a mythical beast, basically. This like gigantic dreadnought. It just like symbolizes everything that's evil. And that kind of does help with uh, the later battle where they probably can't effectively field as many fighters. Yeah, totally. But uh, but yeah, this is when Ton crashes, and we lose our beloved Doctor. Gotta say that was a goddamn sad death, man. Yeah, 
That was like I'm, I was trying to think of Star Wars Legends deaths that like were better than that. I think that death's way better than Mara Jade's. Yeah, the I only one that really has more far-reaching consequences would be like Anakin, Anakin and Chewie. Yeah, where Chewie's both of them kind of break up the solos. Yeah, but it's not like because that like Fanon's like such a small character in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Yeah. The death doesn't really mean anything. Um, it's just like it's just really really well written. Um, I think, um, what's his name's death in NJO? Um, Ganner? uh, yeah, Ganner Rizodi's death is pretty good. Um, Fate of the Jedi has, uh, the death of, um, I forget his name. There's another last stand in Fate of the Jedi where one of the guys protects Alana Sola, one of the Jedi. Ah, hmm. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, what other what other great Star Wars EU deaths can you think? Of? <sighs> hmm. Nothing that's like impactful on the same emotional level that we get here, mm-hmm. other than maybe Anakin and Chewie. Jason Jason's death is really good too because yeah. I I think Anakin's death is probably the best in Legends. Just like in the moment, uh, Chewie's is interesting because it's got like the far reaching consequences, but to me, almost went a little too far. Like, it's almost too dark. Like, I don't read Star Han's Wars alcoholism, yeah. Like, Han, like, breaking as a person, like, it's just not what's like I read Star Wars books for, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we kind of get that in a compressed way with face for a while, but it's a bit more and... like unreal if you know what i mean like hans is like like blaming his son and shit and like his family breaking apart like that's really heavy shit yeah uh i don't know what that yeah, i'm trying to i'm trying to think of other good star wars eu deaths let me see hold on let me google this see what other people say because this is just i don't know it's like kind of rare moment of it's just uh let's see I mean, we've got uh, Pip saying Thrawn in the chat, but I, I wasn't. I don't think Thrawn's death is really that great. It's not sad at it's, the time. It's not sad. Like Thrawn is just such a, a disconnected character. Like he's supposed mm-hmm. to be this mysterious figure that's capable of just killing everyone, but there's not that same emotional connection that anyone has to him. So, yeah, Thrawn's death is like kind of retroactively sad. Like in the in the Thrawn duel. When he's kind of like retconned as a character. Yeah. Um, like after, I think more after like Outbound Flight that he actually becomes a character with yeah. the Hand of Thrawn duology and everything. It's still just like this cult behind him. Yeah. But. Yeah, and by I, that point, everyone's already read the Thrawn trilogy. So it's like, oh, this guy eventually dies. But me. Yeah. Um. On that note, it is kind of exciting that we don't know what happens with Thrawn in canon. Yeah, he he's definitely going to be brought back. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's just like I've never been around. Like I've never there's never been a time where I've been reading the EU where like I didn't know what Thrawn's end would be. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess uh, Thras and Lorana Jensler is pretty well done in outbound flight mm-hmm. where they're crashing, where they're like crashing outbound flight to save everyone else. Um, 
Uh, what's her name? We, we get some good in... What's Alima Rar's sister's name? Uh, Al- no, it's not Alora. That's the Jedi Knight one. Because her, her death was pretty good. Um... Yeah, but yeah, Fanon is definitely top five Star Wars deaths and anime betrayals of all time. But <laughs> number uh, one is definitely when Luke uh, lets his uh, his new e girlfriend take the body of his classmate. <laughs> no, no, sorry, uh, students. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into some weird shit in a few minutes. I really like. I really was upset when that one Gorog Killick died. <laughs> <laughs> you know the short one <laughs> there's that there droid actually... in kotor that you <laughs> yeah <laughs> robo leia killing trioculus oh, God. True. <laughs> what about ambitor jay's brand blowing himself up <laughs> that one is pretty he's like i'm gonna take palpatine straight to hell <laughs> no one ever talks about the fact that han solo is the one who ultimately kills palpatine shoots him with a blaster i was okay so actually i was listening to i think it was the rooster teeth podcast recently when they were talking about uh some game of thrones stuff and so maybe like allusions to spoilers here but they basically called what happens in game of thrones uh the same as if uh star wars ended with i believe he said Han. i think bernie said han shooting vader with a blaster and that was how that ended and it was just like <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> can i Kinda. introduce can i interest you in some dark empire i like when uh what's his name gets sucked up by um in the crystal star he just gets like sucked up into interdimensional galactic ooze into waru um is that uh is that horthier in that yeah hethrier yeah i think yeah Hethrier, yeah that's not it but but yeah, anyways, uh, Ton Fanon. No, 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 don't you change. I'm just joking. <laughs> Hour and a half deep and we're halfway through the book. We've gone deep into the Crystal Star, Children of the Jedi. But really, do you think, based on uh, previous discussions, the real question here is, at what point do you think Ton shits himself? Oh. Because this is apparently your area of expertise. Hmm. Well... I'd say probably to cover up the crash at one point, he probably did. Like, right before he hopped in the water just to throw the, the Imperial Hounds right. off his scent trail. That would be that would probably be my... Um, that would probably be what I would do. Yeah. Like um, the... I'd say he definitely pranked um, Face with that at one point. Like, you know what an Upper Decker is? I don't, I don't know the exact mechanisms of how it works in a Star Wars refresher. Um... But it's basically when you poop in the upper part of the uh, the water reserve for a toilet. So I think there is a Legends version of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, so you, you just know the whole time that Ton is aware that he is going to die. And he's, he's like yeah. writing that will and, or the letter to Face the entire time that Face is like, okay, no, we're, we're rescuing you. We're getting you out of here. But yeah. uh, I know it's like a very, like, it's just. It's kind of funny if you think about it because, well, it's sad because he's being holed on this speeder. But I just imagine him like on his belly, like t- texting with like his legs, like kicking and stuff, just like yeah, you know, just like relaxing, and, like face like dragging his ass. 
But yeah, I, I just imagine like, uh, just like him, like just bopping his head around, like sending a text. That's his last will. <laughs> yeah. So face, we kind of get a similar to Plaguey's run through the forests and swamps after he kills. Tenebris. I was really wondering how you were going to. But Unfortunately, we, unlike Plaggy's, there's no naked guy taking a leak to. <laughs> no, he just gets back to his tie interceptor mm-hmm. and flies back to Helmad. Mm-hmm. The whole base or the whole squad is assuming at this point that uh, that both Face and Fanon are dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wedge is talking about like what they're going to have to do without that. Wedge uh, basically doesn't really care. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of when the plan comes together for the diplomatic meeting with uh, where with Zinge, where they're going to Wedge is basically saying, "Okay, we, Face is kind of our our impersonation guy. So without Face, how are we going to do this? We'll have to figure someone else out." Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, Face shows back up. And we get yeah. basically like an entire mental breakdown for the wraiths, mm-hmm. uh, where Face is like blaming himself for uh, for Fanon dying, uh, and Wedge has to like talk him out of it. And the same thing kind of happens later. He it's a lesser extent, I think, than what he, he goes is? through later with uh-huh. uh, with Caston, uh, as far as just like how he feels responsible for it. I think he, he deals of, with Caston's a lot better. Yeah, but uh, the idea of like who's responsible for it, he deals with much worse later. But this right now is like, yeah, just emotionally wrecks him. Yeah, I mean they're they're like best friends basically. Yeah, um, and they're both kind of seem to be loners. Like like uh, faces Fanon's like point of contact. Um, yeah, which is nice because they don't write a letter to any family members, but it's also pretty sad. Yeah, because face um, offers to wedge like you did the you kind of brought me out of this so i'm gonna do something for you all right whatever letter fana needs for uh his family and wedge is like no well dude don't worry he had no family (laughs) (laughs) this will make you feel better no one loved it no one will no one will miss him but don't worry (laughs) (laughs) so uh so in order to kind of raise everyone's spirits runt takes it upon himself to plan a dance he kind of I think he convinces Wedge that it's going to be like a memorial service for, uh, for Fanon, and there's like, nope, everybody dance. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of like that moment actually. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was nice, um, especially after, yeah, what had happened. But I'm just thinking of this now, but it was a surprise for everyone that it was going to be a dance, right? Yeah. But someone didn't shower for sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Jansen <laughs> and. Uh, Jansen and Shala are the ones that tricked Face and Dia and got them dancing together. Mm-hmm. That kind of starts their uh, yeah. their relationship off. So when did they plan that? Did this just this opportunity just, just like present itself? A, yeah, I think it was probably just like a they they did it well. Just it was just like chat and like okay, let's just let's hook them up. You know they want it. You know? mm. weren't you ever in junior high, Corey? We didn't have any of our classmates die in starfighter battles and then impromptu dances to memorialize them. So, so you didn't go to junior high school. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, not. Maybe it's just different in Ontario than in <laughs> goddamn Upper Canadians without, without <laughs> any star. 
um yeah i don't know i, I liked it it was kind of a yeah it, it was kind of a touching moment I, I like runt as a character as well yeah uh he finally makes some human jokes where he's like gonna kill people if they don't participate in the joke in the dance which is always fun and uh then wedge is like you know what you did a good job with this this is gonna be your job from now on like, and, oh, oh like <laughs> yeah and then there's like they always say don't do anything well because of job um i one thing i found was weird they used so much goddamn paint and yeah they painted the ceiling goddamn how did they do that well you it's know like, the the freighter they were robbing earlier we never find out what most of the lots are they're taking it's actually just paint paint and tie interceptors like, that's all they take black too like that takes multiple layers dog <laughs> they paint the ceiling they paint their x-wings they paint their tie <laughs> interceptor they have During the, the hyperspace flight. The quick painting <laughs> yeah. later to repaint back to the Wraith Squadron color so that they don't shoot each other. You know these goddamn techs are so tired of this shit. <laughs> it's gotta be the worst job. It's, yeah. There's like wreck everything. And they're like, good luck, boys. Be ready for next time. Is it Cover that would be responsible for that? Cover does most of the painting, yeah. Because we got the uh Vratix or something? Yeah, it was the Vratix for the uh, Rogue Rogue Squadron. He's got to do a mixture of Mod Podge and black paint, and then... (laughs) Let it cool for... Let it dry for 12 hours, and then do a second layer. A shiny layer above hand. Also, the Rogues can have a starry night sky to look at. (laughs) And people are doing this, like, without anyone knowing who it was. Like It's a really long hallway, considering how far... Uh, Lara well, it goes. Really, it seems really tall as well because at some points they've got things like stacked, like they've got these like little cargo modules, mm-hmm. and it's like they've got them like they've got stairways going up to some of the second levels. So like this was a goddamn undertaking. Like yeah, and it seems like... to happen in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so they're they're going over their plan for infiltrating or going to meet Zinj as the pirates. And uh, the this is when Kasten starts with his idea for writing a program that he can then splice into Iron Fist, and they'd be able to track him that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he brings it to Wedge privately first, and was like, "No, how do you Wedge know you're like, better than this guy?" Later, like, yeah, got two minutes this time. <laughs> Write the code. We'll do this eventually. Mm-hmm. And Cast is like, "No, this is outrageous." <laughs> And they have uh, another meeting where they're all talking about what they're going to do. And Kasten is like, well, actually, I think you're an idiot, Wedge, and goes off about how his plan is to do this thing. And everyone's like, yeah. no. And Wedge is like, why, why are you doing this now, buddy? You're not going to Coruscant, basically. He's no like, downtime for you. Back to painting yeah. ceilings. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, he sneaks on and and getting himself killed because the plan was good, but Wedge was right. Like, this isn't the time for it. Yeah, like any chance of failure from that was not worth it. Yeah, and like they're going to get more than enough out of their association with Jin Zinj. So just make the code, sit back and wait. Uh, What's the name of the splicer again from Thrawn? Um, ooh, the like savant, the New Republic splicer. Well, he starts off with uh, Talon card. Yeah, oh, I know who you're talking about. Name? I don't Gigi, remember. Uh, what's his name again? Um, Gent. Yeah, Gent. It's Gent. Yeah, 
Um, this would have been a cool character for them to have Ghent play. Obviously, like, because it's similar and obviously Ghent had been, but I guess he wouldn't have been with the New Republic at this point. No. So never mind. Thrawn is not for another year and a half. Yeah, I, I, for, I forgot Ghent wasn't already with the uh, yeah. with the New Republic. He started with with uh, Talon. But yeah, so but he's a very Ghent-like character because he's he's like very good at what he does, but he's very kiddish. And I think is he? I guess he's immature and kind of shitty. Yeah, but was Ghent? That, I thought Ghent was just more of like a weird, more of yeah, a face. Yeah, Ghent was kind of a, yeah. Face or Fanon more than Kasten. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, yeah, so they, they're they taking their shuttle Nara, which I got mixed up with Sungrass so many times when reading the book. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I couldn't remember what the Nara was, because they mentioned it by name a few times without reminding us that Yeah. Shuttle. Um. Yeah, but I, I do like that they keep it from last time because we see some cool action with it with the the mech they make. Lambdas <laughs> get a lot done in the in the X Wing series. Yeah, do they ever? Tycho with his targeting. Yep. Nara just shuttling people back and forth. They're the real unsung heroes of Wraith and Rogue Squadron. True. You're not wrong, buddy. Plus, like whenever they're in battle, like they're described as being pretty deadly. They've got like rear facing cannons and stuff. Yeah, with uh, uh Lavril or whatever it's called. Lavasar. Yeah, because yeah. Lavasar was producing uh Lambdas and that kind of or Sentinels? Lambdas. One I think it was Lambda's boat. Yeah. Regardless, they're kind of like a big blast boat at that point. Yeah. They they were thinking about like, oh, they've probably got some militarized versions of these with heavier armor and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that does come up. Yeah. But so with the with the meeting, we we get face on there, and then we'll we'll talk about Dawn's side quest. But with the with the thing that happened at the end about like however how Zind was congratulating everyone on playing their parts well, my initial takeaway with that was that Zind was on to them. Did you get that impression? I had all, no idea. Or? Like I didn't even understand why they were wearing disguises and stuff because. Isn't um isn't doesn't Melvar wear like some sort of disguise or something like? How am I imagining that? But yeah, no, I I, I, I didn't, I didn't really get it. Whether they're just uh, yeah, maybe that's addressed in the next book. But because he doesn't really figure it out even after the loss of the Super Star Destroyer. Yeah, so. where like yeah, I don't, I don't think. The Zinch side were wearing disguises, but it just kind of seemed at the end there, like oh, they actually knew what was going on because uh, there was the thing when they just got on, where uh, the stormtrooper that was kind of patting him down gets a bit mm-hmm. too pushy with Cal, and Cal uh, right breaks like his jaw him. or something. Yeah. God damn it, Cal! Yeah, and uh, so like that was clearly just a, a test of them when that was fine, but the. Mm-hmm. The other stuff where it was like, okay, everyone played their part well. I was like, okay, does does he know? Yeah. But... Yeah, I don't know. But this is when Kasten like sneaks onto the ship, ends up in that lab, sees the towels, and as his first thought of like, uh, why do I feel empathy for these things? Because he's, he's just a like, shitty person. Yeah. 
And one thing that's kind of like that's just a set like a bad plan. I don't understand how the M- or sorry that how Zinj didn't figure out what was going on because he should have been able to just look at the hollow recordings and see him leaving the ship. Because he yeah he doesn't make the connection or at least he doesn't say he makes the connection. Yeah, that never comes up that like they would have had like full security cams on every yeah, part in the of the middle ship. of a hangar and it's not the damaged hangar either it's so yeah that's that's a good point okay we don't need to finish the, let's just burn our copies this is stupid yep. what did you think about the uh the so he's trying to upload this program he gets shot it's not immediately clear to the reader that he killed that's he's ugh, that he's killed in a gunfight but basically as long as we take um Dia's word for it, or is it? It is Dia, right? Who yeah, it's him? Dia. Yeah. So Where Zinj is like saying, "Okay, we found this guy. You should kill him for me." And Faye's like, I don't, "I don't know." And then Dia just goes and shoots him. Yeah. We have to take our word for it that yeah he was actually dead. I mean, I assume he was, but we don't get other confirmation. I don't think. <clears throat> no, I don't see. I was unclear on that whether it was supposed to be a thing where like. We're supposed she's, to take her word for it, or if it's just supposed to be like we accept that this is a thing where she has to rationalize it some way, and they would all be dead yeah. regardless. Because uh, because yeah. it kind of plays into the whole wraiths are broken people, and mm-hmm. like she's clearly just absolutely and, yeah. destroyed by it, and Face kind of mm-hmm. has to pull her out of it. Uh, yeah. But I that was a little out of left field for me. Yeah, I, I, guess, I think it was uh, even even if even if I guess he is dead, she's really disrespecting his body or whatever. But because she like shoots it in the throat yeah, well, she explicitly pretty... mentions that. Well, I guess we do get the confirmation later that because uh, we get her internal monologue about her. Yeah, yeah, her internal thoughts about it, where it's like, so she definitely uh, believes that he was dead at yeah. the very least. He probably was. Where she was like, I just shot a guy who deserved better. He didn't really. <laughs> Like he was yeah, he's horrible. Like they tried to babysit him and he's just like he's like got a secret compartment within the smuggler's compartment. Yeah, like Face was saying maybe I should have checked better and sent, or I should have done a full sweep rather than just searching. And was yeah. like, no, this is not you. And like he's like you can't be babysitting other soldiers. Yeah. Cause Face was trying to say this is all my fault and was like, Well, mm-hmm. it's all your fault. What about my fault? What about Caston's yeah. fault? What about like everyone's fault. Don't put this on yourself. Yeah. Speaking of doo doo, that crawl space probably stank. If they had any sort of distance on that journey, <laughs> I don't think it was that far, but probably. Well, there was at least distance. because there's like a there's a jump, and then there's a second jump. Because yeah, and Zinj always does the redirection. Yeah, Dia takes a whole nap. Yeah, when they're in transit too, so. He was pooping in there. Big time, bud. <laughs> Believe it. So they can clone him. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, Genetic material left behind. Yeah, so Zinch has recruited the Hawk Bats as part of a bunch of pirates that are going to be part of the forward defense for their raid on Kuat, mm-hmm. where they're going to be taking uh, Razor's Kiss. But they get the information about it as if it's Coruscant. Or mm-hmm. a New Republic world where it's a bunch of Star Destroyers mixed with Mon Calamari cruisers. Mm-hmm. And uh, Piggy kind of figures out with Wes and Wedge that actually no face was right. 
They're going to Kuat. They're going to steal Superstar Destroyer. He's like, hold on a second. He opens up Empire at War, and he's like, Imperial Star Destroyer, 12 cost. Mon Calamari Cruiser, 12 cost. <laughs> yeah, they get, uh, they get uh, Lara as their new, uh, their new computer expert. And she's pretty to, damn good at it. <laughs> yeah, to like make a program to figure out like AI combat power values <laughs> in Empire at War out of their uh, TIE fighter and X-Wing simulators. So mm-hmm. she's like, oh yeah, I can make a rough approximation of all these fleets and confirm it's Kuat slash Coruscant or like if, if we needed to convert this into Corellian stuff too, would you be able to do that? Because <laughs> just need to mention Corellia. There was a mention of odds in this book. Yeah, that kind of there subverted. Was. It was when they're, I think it was Fane or Face talking to, um, I, think, I think it was Face talking to Kasten. He was like, although they say Corellians don't care for odds, um, Antilles would never throw your life away or something like that, right? Yeah. And uh, there was another mention when uh, Wedge was like thinking about Kalantiria and how he didn't have anything like that, where, uh, not that the real Wedge was unhappy, he was content but alone. Probably best if he kept it that way. He'd beaten the odds for so many years, years in which would... And he goes through that without even saying he'd beaten the odds, and he's a Corellian, so he doesn't really care about odds. But... What it, a scrub. We need, we need Michael Stackwell back. Michael! What are the Mike. odds of that happening, though? <laughs> Not good. Even Corellians wouldn't take those. <laughs> uh, so... They start planning for their Kuat, for their Battle of Kuat roles. Mm-hmm. We have ideally three groups, possibly just two. Yep. Where we have the Hawk Bats, which are Wedge, Dia, Kel, Face, Tyria, and Piggy. And are they about to? Are they doing like a WWE like cell match? Or and something? in this corner, <laughs> we have the Infiltrators. I have spelled it wrong on the page. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was sure if there was a joke there. Or if you're just not no. a great teller. I just wrote this while I was rereading the book. <laughs> we had Lara, Shala, Dia, and everyone else would be with the race on Mon Ramada. But at that point, I think that's just Wes, right? Who uh, else? <laughs> Who are we missing? Tyria? Nope, Tyria's in the Hawkbats. Is Wedge definitely with the Hawkbats? Yeah, he's explicitly mentioned because uh, he's got to do the Ewok. Oh, right. He doesn't have an X. He does not in his X-Wing. Yeah. Right. So Wedge, Dia, Kel, Face, Tyria, Piggy. Where's Runt? They're sick. Okay, Runt, Wes. How do you? How could you forget my boy? Ho hash, Ekwash. <laughs> so six Hawkbats. Yeah. Uh, and I guess Dia is counted twice there. But yeah. But anyways, very few of the rates actually on Ramada. Oh, Min. There we go. The the most forgettable. Jesus, race. What is wrong with you? I, I just dude. Hate Min, Min has the prologue or the preview chapter in book one. Those are the best characters. Yes, they are. So I, I think he's actually next book is like Min and I think it's Min is like the the new face of the group. Cool. So we like we Min. have a whole it's book cool. of Min coming. I think. Cool. I'm Min for that. Oh, all right. Thanks <laughs> for watching, everyone. Uh, <laughs> All right, okay, you so bring us into Kuat? Yeah, so they insert the team on the uh, Razor. It's 
is it Razor's Kiss, right? That's yeah. The, yeah. So the, there is a Superstar Destroyer under construction. There's some discussion earlier about whether or not it is or it isn't. And it's almost done, actually. It's being protected by, what, like a few dozen regular Star Destroyers. Yeah, like the but, general Kuat Defense Forces, which turn into a couple mm-hmm. dozen ISDs or just yeah. SDs. Yeah. Even though later, the Essential Guide to Warfare gives them everything. But anyway, um, so they sneak on to that. Uh, they, and the team is largely led by Shala, who's under her, uh, under her Hawkbats persona. Yeah. Uh, who is said to be able to kill a Wookiee. And they successfully secure the bridge, and basically they start making their way off with the Super Star Destroyer. And then I think the Iron Fish shows up and the pirate fleet, and they're basically running cover yeah. Um, yeah. for the ships. They're kind of waiting until Razor's Kiss blows itself free of the uh, of whatever's holding it so that the defenses wouldn't start coming mm-hmm. until later. So that's when Iron Fish jumps in as far as possible into the system. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable that they can run a ship with such a small crew. Yeah, there's like six people on it, and this <laughs> kind of rationalizes like, oh, Zinch had paid off some of the yeah. people in charge, or one of the yeah. people in charge, and then no one else thought it was suspicious that they were evacuating the ship. Literally, And it's literally blasting away like the struts and stuff that are holding it to the station. Yeah. The initial insertion crew was like eight people. Yeah. So I guess like those other 300,000 that would usually be there are just like... They're unnecessary. That's the, the crews to put out the fires, as Zinj was later lamenting. <laughs> well i guess it would be like if you don't have real gunners it's same with like the falcon you technically can control the weapons like from an automated system but they're probably going to be like ass yeah. i always remember for some reason there's a scene in uh children of the jedi where luke is approaching the uh the what's it called the eye of palpatine mm-hmm. that's children of the jedi right yeah where he's approaching the eye of palpatine and he says something about how like droid controlled gunners are ass but <laughs> That one, that's that's his exact words. Like, no, that sounds like what Luke would say. Droid control gunners are goddamn ass. Emperor's black bones. And then uh, <laughs> basically this one's not because it's being controlled by the uh, being controlled by the uh, the mind, I think they call it. Hmm. Um, which is like a central AI with a Jedi in it. Hmm. So Don't worry, we'll get there. Iron Fist like I think there's two Star Destroyers that Iron Fist pretty explicitly just yeah hammers to mostly to death. I like that. It's just like running away and just like there's just like like burning husks in the background. Yeah. Pretty yeah. cool. Well, they're still getting like slightly harassed by the fighters from them. Yeah. But... So they get away at first, but the rogues have kind of this is some weird Star Wars shield magic bullshit, but the rogues have basically attached themselves to like the hull of the two ships. Yeah. So Shala um, had put the tracker on that Kasten had made, and then she made a fake, well, a real explosion where she faked her death so she could like yeah. hide out in an escape pod where she took a nap. Yeah. And eventually, like, they had a plan where they would, they were calling themselves the parasites where they'd go and try to shut down the shields from on the ship. Yeah. Mm hmm. So, anyways, the Super Star Destroyers get away, but they recover the or they find the location quickly, and they're fully attacked by like uh, Solo Command. Well, it's like a third of Solo Command. It's mostly 
the uh, Mon Ramonda and a few support vessels. Yeah, we have a massive New Republic fleet of <laughs> Mon Ramonda, Tadevian, the Nebulon B frigate, which is a tr- training frigate. If, uh, yeah, because the, then there's isn't there like a cr- Crusader or something? But uh, there's a Marauder and a Quasar, Marauder, yeah. and that's it. But I don't think those. I don't think the Marauder and the Quasar go because we only hear of the until the four fighter squadrons. I think we, yeah, because yeah, if the Quasar were there, rogues, the uh, the B wings, the A wings, and the- unless they're there and they're just not explicitly mentioned, but yeah, um, I'm curious now. But Han's plan is basically like stand in front of uh, Iron Fist so it can't jump away. Yeah, and then they're like, it's funny because they did a video on hyperspace. Before I finished the book, and um, at one point Zinj is like, "If we try to jump through light speed, it'll destroy both of us," mm-hmm. which doesn't really seem right to me. Well, if you go with the uh, eight thousand meter figure, yeah. Yeah, it would kind of be like if you were to have something that was like, let's say, about thirty two hundred meters, uh, and or a little bit longer, maybe. And mm-hmm. there were some kind of giant battle platform. <laughs> and if one person were to like, whichever one jumps to hyperspace or the other, it's probably right. going to shatter them both. Right. Uh, I, I don't know where that would happen, though. Yeah. Um, and also that maybe seems to be what Zinj is alluding to. As well. <laughs> yeah. But that <laughs> seems like to be we, the kind of situation Zinj is alluding to. I don't know that we'd ever see that happen. If we do this hyperspace but, jump, it'll somehow destroy the rest of our fleet back at rank or base as well. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the debris will go fast enough. But uh, speaking of kind of shield BS, there is some kind of oddities in this. So it seems to be like, so the battle starts and the wraiths are launched and the two parasites come active. First is uh, Shala is becomes active first. And she's, I guess, under the shields of the uh, razor's kiss. Mm-hmm. And she blows up the shield generator, I guess. Uh, with- yeah, it's kind of taking the whole deflector, the the domes or the shield generators approach yeah. that is incorrect, but yeah. I mean, but it makes sense because I, I think she's supposed to be under the shield. So, but, but then she flies out through it. It's, it's weird because star Wars, star Wars shields are supposed to protect against objects and lasers or energy, but you see ships flying through shields all the time when they shouldn't be able to. Yeah. Um, well, well with her, wasn't she inside the ship? Still, and then she gets the TIE fighter to leave. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think you're right. And Piggy with his, he's like landing on the ship and kind of commandoing his way through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The idea of a TIE interceptor being able to blow up or whatever they're flying, being able to blow up like with lasers, the shielding of a superstar destroyer. I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like the it does seem like the shield generators would be a bit stronger than that, but eh. yeah. Uh, There's also a weird point earlier where it's like um, they talk about how a ship has its engines blow out. I don't know if you remember this. It yeah. has its engines blow out, and they talk about how the shields don't work anymore. I guess it's like a car where like the engines provide a degree of power to the entire ship. Wasn't it Modern Mondo where they'd taken out the the engines of the ship, or was it one of the, or was it Iron Fist? 
No, I, like I'm thinking this happens with the Starfighter. I think earlier on, oh. where they're like, there's a Starfighter that gets its engines shot out. I'll see if I can find the cloaks. I I did faces, maybe, and then like yeah, so the shields don't work anymore. So I guess there's like mm. kind of like you know with a car, like you can kill the battery, but you can recharge it yeah. by driving around. <laughs> All that kinetic energy from the engines right. on a starship. Yeah, let's see if I can find the cloak, but but yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, they get oh. the shields down, and Mon Ramonda cut it. They end up blowing up a bunch of the bridge stuff, so Raslin's yeah. dead, and Zinj has no one on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Zinj luckily gets a call from one of the former Kuat crews. He's like, "Yeah, I'd rather you have it than the rebels blow it up." <laughs> and then he just dies immediately, so it was entirely pointless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they managed to, I do like how, like, so once the shields are down, they basically just crush it with like B wings and X wings. And then, uh, they move on because they, so piggy uh, initially has problems, but he does get a starfighter repaired. Uh, he managed to disable the shields of the, or not totally, but he like weakens the shields of the iron fist, but they can't quite kill it. And yeah. it does manage to escape. Yeah. So Monomanda able to basically 2v1 superstar destroyers here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four <laughs> fighter squadrons pretty much do all the damage they need to to blow the Razor's Kiss into half and or into a bunch of tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. And uh, can can recover those pieces though. Uh, those yeah. are recoverable. Yeah. But but I mean, quite a victory for the uh, yeah serious victory for the New Republic here. Because they lose a few ships, but a few starfighters, but they lose uh, Captain Onama's chair as well. Yeah. Although to be fair, Zinj doesn't lose that much. That book just some starfighters because he had just captured the Super yeah. Star Destroyer. I mean, they do damage the uh, they do damage the uh, the Iron Fist, which it does seem like Zinj has like it is a lot of effort for him to keep it active. Yeah, he. Um, it must have been a while, but or at least a couple days or weeks between the explosion and the meeting, and he still didn't have a functional hangar. So. Yep. Yep. Um, one thing I like throughout this, this is kind of off topic, but we kind of get hints that Leia's going to Hapes uh, because it's yeah. always talking about like some diplomatic mission she's on. Top secret mission that people are saying might have to do with taking down Zinge. Yeah, she's really just going to meet a cutie pie. BF. <laughs> Trying to slide into a soldier's DMs. <laughs> I I was reading through Legacy of the Force and I forgot that Jason decapitates a soldier. Yeah. I always <laughs> like, forget I just, that a soldier ever comes up again after courtship. And he then, actually comes up quite a bit in because he comes up in pretty heavily in NJO and then he's pretty prominent in Legacy of the Force as well. Yeah. Like I've read pretty much everything he's in. It's just I always forget he's there. He's yeah, like the least memorable Star Wars character. It's like I always forget that um, Tenelka only has one arm. Like I always forget that. Does she ever get a pro? No, she doesn't get a prosthetic. No, she never gets one, but it never addresses it. Yeah, just like um, Dala only has one eye. She loses an eye, but like half of the Fate of the Jedi stuff has her with two eyes. But then, like in the book, she like explicitly is wearing an eye patch. Yeah, that's a pretty easy thing to to fix too. Yeah. 
Soontier doesn't do it for good reasons. I don't think we ever get Dallas reasons to not. No, we don't. But, uh, I don't think we ever get. Um, I don't think we ever get a. Uh, what's her name is for uh, Tenelkov for not getting a new arm either. I, th- I think we do. Where it was just supposed to be a thing she's supposed to overcome. Yeah, I think it's in like Young Jedi Knights where she does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure because I've read that. I'm pretty sure Jason cuts her arm yeah. off. Yeah, or Jason's fault in some way. Yeah, but yeah, so that'll be for our our read through of Young Jedi Knights. Dude, I'm pumped. I love those books. Those were like the first EU books I read. Yeah, probably. Well, maybe not first, but the ones I most have fond memories with Shadow Academy and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, I think they were in my middle school teachers library as well mm-hmm. but uh during speaking of soon tier during the the battle at uh <laughs> at kuat i think it's so the kuat ver- wedge gets so triggered <laughs> yeah wedge wedge as catch gets soon tier coming up to him because they they uh put a filter basically on wedge's communication so he sounds like an ewok and which is a practical joke at first but kind of it's being a real pain. <laughs> yeah, so you get Wedge pretending to be an Ewok, flying mm-hmm. with Tetran Cowl, pretending to be Soontier Fell, and mm-hmm. uh, Soontier is talking about how he's like the best pilot in the galaxy, and Wedge makes a mention like, oh, I've heard someone else is the best pilot in the galaxy, and he's just like, oh, you mean <laughs> Luke? Yeah, he's pretty good. And <laughs> I think one of the other race, like, oh, how yeah. about Wedge Antilles, though? And he's like lucky. Yeah. Luck incarnate, but he can't fly worth a damn. <laughs> and Wedge <laughs> is just pissed off the rest of the book. I want to know if my sister's okay, but more importantly, I can fly. <laughs> I gotta kill this bastard. <laughs> yeah. He's clearly irredeemable. Yeah. I don't care how many pilots he shoots, but if he says I'm bad at this. <laughs> I do like how uh on that note I meant to mention this earlier. When they're on when they meet Solo Command for the first time. You do really get the sense that that uh, Wedge would be a much better commander than Han. Yeah, like much better. Neither of them wants to do it, but Han accepted yeah. it because he had to. And yeah, but Wedge is like, he's like, you know, you're probably being pretty stupid about this. <laughs> Han's like, oh shit, really? <laughs> Wait, should I not be attacking all those civilian targets just because we think they might be? A... <laughs> yeah. But um, apparently Han is good enough at commanding to literally give a huge stat bonus to Von Ramondo. <laughs> we should really give him Put a him 90% yeah. shield bonus in Drawn Revenge because that is just several minutes of direct pounding from Iron Fist. <laughs> oh god, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Military man pounded by large <laughs> alpha male too uh, i'm just gonna stop <laughs> i mean iron fist is itself just <laughs> <laughs> military man pounded by iron <laughs> two minutes straight Yikes. oh god <laughs> that's what uh that's what laura accidentally heard during the recording she's like holy shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, yeah, so <laughs> I think that's pretty All right, much I'm going to head out for next time. <laughs> no. no. We're uh, pretty much at the end of the plot here. Yeah, so that's basically it. We So Go ahead. 
not much really has really changed since last time. Both sides have taken some losses, but they've managed to stymie the plans at least of uh, yeah. Zinge, which is you know pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I, I didn't actually consider the fact that nothing happens in this book. Yeah, because Zinge doesn't really lose much that he didn't have. Yeah, or that he had. Sorry, we lose Ton. Yes, but, and we lose Caston, but he wasn't there at the start either. Yep. So. Yeah, <laughs> got a new few new tie interceptors, but basically it. They lose some of the uh, pilots, but no rogue squadron members. No. Wow, boozy! I can hear you, old beer oh, can. That was a Coke can. Sure, it was. I'm not a fan of booze or beer. I I drink hard liquor. Like a man. But uh, you mean synthetic hard liquor, synthetic Coruscant brandy? Uh, only calf, actually. <laughs> oh, I no, think there was another was there a tap calf. I don't think so. They go to Tapcalf places, but I don't think they use Tapcalf in this one or in the other one. So that's three books now, if I'm right. God, mm. what are we doing? But I think I it's a, a Deveronian that replaces one of them. Yeah, yeah. LSR Targon, and um, I, I guess going... no one else needs to come in because Lara was already rate thirteen. Yeah. yeah. I was going through my notes. Um, just when I was looking for a quote, and I found one part that I really like. It's um, when they're, you know, when they're all presenting their ideas. Mm-hmm. So is it Face or Fanon that's in charge of having one? Uh, face. Uh, hold on, let me find the uh, let me find the quote here. But basically, Face is like talking, like Face has a fake. He's like joking with Wedge, or he's he's like screwing with Wedge, and he says uh, his his plan is to have like. The squad pretend to be like a hall, like a traveling circus or whatever. Uh, yeah. Here's the quote. I've discovered that Kel has a pleasant tenor scene voice and <laughs> Runt is actually an accomplished mine, a skill that few know is widespread on his homeworld of Thakwa. By integrating modern holographic technology with traditional sing and song and dance routines, we could capture the warlord's attention. And then he's cut off. <laughs> How about the idea you submitted to me? Oh, that one. <laughs> Uh, Sarah's yeah. saying aren't they in a bar top cap at the start it, I think it's explicitly a bar for that one and then when they yeah. do the same to the Imperials so well, no tap I mean, it's basically the same thing but we're yeah. mostly looking for the use the of word. the word yeah. it's only a good book if it mentions tap calf because so. there is also a tap calf in Trusipakura remember where they get fight yeah. with the, uh, the aliens when they get abducted by the Siruvi yeah but um, one thing I also wanted to mention um, who is it that who is it that was there on Coruscant was that that's Kasten right who he mentions he was like there on Coruscant and yeah like the like it's the... very similar to a scene have you read Aftermath no okay well there's it's there's Aftermath also has a scene on Coruscant basically where like they're celebrating after the Death Star and then the the uh, Imperials come and just like gun them down yeah, it's it's the part of the scene they don't show with the uh, the DVDs when they're all celebrating. <laughs> the next edition, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, it was very, aftermath has a very similar scene, um, and like people are like fighting back with like rocks and shit. But I mean, it stands to reason that Coruscant isn't liberated for a while after that in either one. Yeah. So oh, yeah. there's definitely going to be some reprisals there. Mm-hmm. But uh, but again, it, it kind of doesn't mesh well with what we learn in uh, Wedge's Gamble, where it's like the Coruscanti, like, I hate the New Republic. 
yeah. I think they're calling it like rape and pillage. Well, some of the lower level yeah, ones, maybe. That's true. Not yeah. the upper level ones. With a um, population of what, three trillion? There's probably it varies depending varies on the opinion. Yeah. And then Yeah. Coruscant goes through some real shit, doesn't it? Yeah. They're useless. Yeah. And then they get vonged. <laughs> yep. They, they get, get some nice nice greenery that they didn't have before. And then Abeloth comes and the greenery becomes all like even nastier. She like makes the volcanoes happen. <laughs> this is why they needed to use more pesticides. Yes, true. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I really wanted to discuss, though. Well, Zinj gets the Zinj asks for the pieces of Razor's kiss to be collected, and oh, Face yeah. gets his face fixed. So yeah. those, I think, are the only two other things. I do like the scene earlier on. the The face thing kind of reminded me of this, where Face sees um, Tan. I think Tan's talking to Shala or Dia, one of the two. And then he's just like, he's so depressed. And then like their kind of standard relationship of just like joking with each other breaks and they like see that they actually care for each other. I thought that was yeah. a really nice scene. Yeah, a lot of the the like one-on-one scenes with the race having their heart-to-hearts are, I thought, really well done. Yep, I agree. Like so, men starting to get a, a personality going so hard to help uh to help Lara. Yep. Yep. Uh, that's just because yep. He's a good dude. Yeah. Thankfully, so let's have a moment of silence for Fanny. Yeah. Right, everyone. Okay. Thanks for being so respectful, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so Yeah. You can recover from your trauma in a book, which I think is important. Should he have just gone for Colto? Is that the solution to Ton Fanon's problems? Uh, I imagine if I imagine if Bacta doesn't work. Well, isn't doesn't Colto just basically make another form of Bacta? Is that what it, I thought? It was a different substance that just it's like the Betamax to VHS. Maybe it was better, so, yeah. but it just didn't have the same marketing. Yeah, it seems couldn't record to be. for two hours or whatever. Oh, it seems expensive. according to the wiki, um, its significance was lost over time. Okay, so they just didn't they didn't <laughs> care about it anymore. <laughs> this wonderful thing is just significance was lost over time. Yeah, so if that sucks, if those yeah, if they just gone to Manon, they're like, hey, they might have to do a weird court case side quest. No event though. <laughs> He could have helped out. Yeah. Oh, if you could just play as Noir Event and do that mission, he would have been a great. Yeah. Well, I role play as Noir Event every time, but not not just for that. For the entire bit, I don't use any lightsabers or anything. Don't upgrade my force powers. It's all charisma, and I walk. I walk with wisdom? a slight wimp. Uh, limp. <laughs> with a wimp. Slight you bring wimp. Karth around. <laughs> 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 are we going to do a tap calf episode on the plot of knights of the old republic that's what so i think what the people long. want so maybe we'll do like around hour six we have uh this is when karth says he doesn't want to talk about it and we all know that he does and he will eventually <laughs> but... oh and this is the moment where we're in the middle of a fight and it looks like basla wants to speak speak to her now no <laughs> she hates you now 
Despite the fact that we've got a galaxy-wide conspiracy to deal with, we should also try to track down Mission Veo's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Which even she doesn't want to do. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you want to get into the... So if anyone has any questions, you want to put those in the chat, or if you want to email them, if you're listening to this afterwards in video or podcast form, you can send them to tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com i've got a link in the description on my version here as well as there will be one on uh justin's version on eckhart's mm-hmm. ladder which you can subscribe to if you're not already which i'm assuming everyone listening is uh but that's t-a-p-c-a-f-t-r-a-n-s-m-i-s-s-i-o-n-s at gmail.com <laughs> you almost didn't do it i was too busy thinking about whether or not it had the e after tap calf that it i forgot mean. about the s at the end it doesn't but our link at the, for the first few episodes had the E, so someone out there has tap calf transmissions and getting a bunch They're of email questions. Unhappy. Yeah. They're clearly being bombarded just like we are. Oh yeah, for sure. We so didn't we really did... have we Yeah, we had a couple of emails. The first was from Torin, who just wanted to basically said, I'll just read the whole thing. Uh, I wanted to mention going into your guys' Iron Fist episode that the storyline with Tom and Face and Fan's death is as emotionally affected as I've been by a Star Wars book. It really hit me hard, especially since my biggest problem with Stackpole's X-Wing novels was that he uses the fake death trick way too much, which you also agreed, Corey. Uh, I felt like everyone in those books died and then came back. Corin, Tycho, Gavin, Broer, etc. I forgot about Gavin. That happens too when he's on uh, yeah. the ice Yeah, I forgot planet. about his. I think Lujani was the only death that hit like that. She was murdered in her sleep. Pretty good. Wow. I was really like how it's no one fixed Fanon. He was just a super broken guy that got killed, and he was still able to help face in a realistic way with those issues, not in a just ta da, face is better now sort of way. I agree. Yeah, I'll co sign everything there. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think we touched on a lot of that already, so I don't have too much more to add yeah. for that. But no, yeah. Just, thanks, for, thanks for the great email. Agree completely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, curious to hear you guys' questions and stuff for the next book. Uh, one other email we got, which is uh, a fairly common uh, comment we've gotten that I probably should have mentioned at the start, but uh, we are still trying to figure out stuff with like format and technical issues. Yeah. Uh, last episode when I was editing the stuff out when uh, Justin had his power outage, I did notice a lot more audio skips and stuff. So this time we are actually uh, recording audio separately. <laughs> Bro, so, my Audacity crashed halfway through this. <laughs> oh, did it? <laughs> yeah, 55 minutes in. It might still be recording, but the timeline's not moving. Okay, well, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> uh, I might be able to just take your audio from your video recording and put my audio. Are you recording on, like, OBS as well? No. No, you're not recording anything? No. Okay, well, either way, we're <laughs> we're doing our best. But... Uh, <laughs> Our main concern, like, first we're focusing on getting, like, the the live stream parts down, and then uh, as we figure that out more, we'll be able to put a bit more into the yeah. uh, into the audio versions, uh, just because this is, like, we, we're both fairly busy, so we yeah. only have, like, on top of the reading the book, making our notes for the book, playing discussion topics, uh, the actual stream itself, yeah. it's taking some time for us to work out all the kinks there, but we're we're doing what we can doing our best thanks for sticking with us through that yeah. but don't worry we, we we hear you we're not with the podcast network or anything we're just learning yeah uh i'm probably gonna upgrade my microphone at some point and yeah we will kind of get some better ways to uh to do this because we know the audio quality is not perfect 
Yeah. Um, I want a better way to record this than through Discord because even just the noise gate kind of kills it. Where sometimes if uh, like we're we're always on my Discord server, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been really good on your end for this time. You haven't cut out once. Yeah, you've you cut out like once or twice earlier on, but it was so far it's been much better than the earlier episodes. But relying on Discord servers is yeah always going to be tricky. So we're going to try to find whatever ways yep. we can to get around that. We'll talk to people. I know. I mean, we both, I'm sure, know a lot of people who do podcasts and stuff. Yeah. Everyone in the Star Wars community has a podcast. At least one. Yeah. So um, this is my third one this week. Yeah. But, uh, this is my third one today. So Damn. Screw it. Yeah, well, this is my third one in the last hour. So Did you actually do another podcast this week? No. Uh, okay. I'm exclusive with this. Yeah, me too. Some people just take things more seriously. Yeah. Uh, but uh, let's see. I said me too, Corey. Why are you throwing shade at me? Because it's too cozy over here. Uh, anything you want to? Let's uh, let's just let's anything that you're excited for. It'll just what's going on. Talk to me. Uh, I'm still happy about the video on the Clone Wars doing that well, but yeah. So Corey put out a really cool video. Um, we'll see this a lot when we handle when we go to the Thrawn trilogy but obviously the clone wars is mentioned in a new hope but just by name as like a sort of conflict so the eu writers sometimes were like let's try to do something with this and it almost always was complete it was no it was always completely wrong not their fault though because what george decided was pretty wackadoo but yeah even george um, didn't know what's going on (laughs) yeah so Corey basically did a video look like cataloging um how that was handled really good uh yeah thank you i that's like your biggest viral video on your second channel it's like, yeah, it's, it i think like... it's actually on both my channels like it's the fastest any of them have gotten to that point and it looks like it's probably going to pass anything on loses as well nice. so when videos like that can easily pop off too mm-hmm. i just need to do I, I was thinking before that the video about uh how different species can mate or not yeah like that was doing all right and i thought okay maybe this is what my niche is going to be i'm (laughs) going to have to do a bunch of weird alien sex videos but luckily it it doesn't have to be that if you had gotten your picture from tumblr or like deviantart or something for your thumbnail then you know i decided to go the like the picture of like baby root rather than weird Oversexualized, probably Twilight route. But, well, that's on you, yeah. isn't it? So, questions from the chat. Uh, what is your favorite ugly? I don't know that I have one. You have one, Justin. Mm, yeah, the Chodarki or Chodaki. Yeah. Standard cop out answer. I had a question about yeah. the last book. Race Squad in itself says outright that Ession, Saflor, and the other corporate sector worlds were independent. Uh, anyway, I, that the- <laughs> I don't know. I. <laughs> So this is something we actually Jason had to talk about, just- talk about a lot with making uh, the CSA uh, playable faction in Imperial Civil War. So we had to like look through as much as we can for that. It seems like the timeline on that gets thrown around a bit. Uh, so it they end up. I think the EGTW, the Essential Guide to Warfare thing, was a retcon to deal with that, and then it becoming part of. Zinj's territory for all the financial uh, empire stuff. So it was more of a ruling it or taking it over by proxy. That was my reading of it. But 
that was all I could really get from that. So really beyond that, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah, same. I mean, you don't, you're not up on the on the CSA lore. Yeah, no, no. Oh. I gotta go read like one of the old Han Solo books and get back to you. <laughs> the weird '90s attempt at Star Wars steampunk. Yeah, we should cover those sometime. The Han Solo ones in the Lando. Is that uh, Adventures? The Han Solo Adventures? Or... Yeah, or, or no, the Han Solo trilogy. Trilogy. Yeah, it's the trilogy. I always get those mixed. Like Han got so many, yeah. so many books. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think of the change in POV in this book from the last? Did you miss Kel's POV at all? We kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but uh, yeah. How did Kel's not feel? that compelling? Really. Yeah, like he doesn't. He's like a tall and handsome. Like he's a pretty good fighter. Yeah, like he sees some action. Like he's not a yeah. Worse, Corin was the yeah. My basically. opinion, sexier Corin probably. Because they always talk about how like perfect and jacked he is. Can so do we have a rating like a ranking between Cal, Core, and Face? Oh yeah, it's uh, well, Face in his prime is number one, right. and then Cal. Well, Face at the Kel's, end of this book when he gets the. Uh... No, but okay. So I I think Kel's slightly better than Face. Kel or Kel Face and then Corin because Corin's kind of short. Hmm. Oh yeah, it is. It is, it is adventures. Uh, Die Ghost was right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I, I like face a lot more than Cal. So I was much happier having this much focus on face and Lara rather than uh, Cal. Yeah, I did kind of miss the Tyria scenes. Yeah, you didn't get much of Tyria, but I did prefer that. Now, like I said, I think it's I think it's Min next book that we focus on. Yeah, Min's a fun character. Um, yeah, the the whole death of a squad, super fun. Anything, <laughs> Nothing's more fun than Star Wars PTSD. Talk about, though, before we head out, uh, yeah, I guess it's just uh, book rankings, and then that's it. Okay. Um, After huh, my this big is part of, tease for this earlier, like, uh, why don't you go first then? No, it, it, we need more build up. I was just kind of getting people excited again. <sighs> why are you blue balling the chat here? Um. Okay, this is tough for me. I think I came in thinking it would be three. Oh, it's hard because I like the first five books so far so much. Um, I think I'm gonna put it above Wraith Squadron. So put five. It, it's the new five. So Plagueis, Rogue Squadron, Back to War, Wedge's Gamble. Wraith Squadron, True Sipakura, Krytos. But I like it's it's so hard because yeah. So you're putting Wedge's Gamble, then Iron Fist, then Wraith Squadron. So yep. Krytos is still bottom of the list for Yeah. And I'm gonna Is this your, is this your new bottom? <laughs> no. You uh, believe top. it or not, Krytos is uh, is going to stay at the bottom for probably a while. <laughs> I pull, I believe it. Uh, so right now my rankings are Plagueis, Back to okay. War, Rogue okay. Squadron, Wedge's Gamble, Wraith Squadron, Trisa Bakura, and Krytos. Okay. I'm actually putting Iron Fist at number two. Beautiful. And. 
I liked Iron Fist so much more. Like Iron Fist made me like this trilogy more than the previous one enough ah. that it recontextualized Wraith Squadron for me. And I'm actually putting Wraith Squadron from my fifth slot before it's like sixth now with Iron Fist at number two. I'm actually putting it above Back to War as the new number three. Can you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? Can wow. you believe it? This is in no way a response to people being disappointed that we didn't like Race Squadron more. I want to make that clear. <laughs> this is entirely my own volition. I have not been peer pressured into this. This Plus, is we're comparing Race Squadron with X Wing with Rogue Squadron. So, like, you know, like, what are we supposed to do here? You know, for me, what I really like about this book is I love the character stuff, but there's a lot in like scenes that I think are really boring, like the stealing of the the tie interceptors. I just didn't like the action as much, if that makes sense. I really liked the characters, yeah. but the action wasn't quite as good for me. Yeah, I definitely as... agree, but I I just enjoyed the character stuff that much more. And mm-hmm. the a lot of the the starfighter or the dog fighting, well it is better in mm-hmm. uh the Rogue Squadron books. It's still one of the harder parts of the books for me to follow because I always have to like go back over it once or twice just totally. to make sure I understand what's going on. So the yeah. fact that it kind of gets simplified to they killed mm-hmm. some fighters and then some other stuff happened. Like I'm okay with that, really. Oh yeah, me too. It's just like for me, yeah. I I for like for example, I really like um Wedge's Gamble because I think Coruscant's just such a cool place and I think they make yeah. good use of the city. And this series gets a lot less world building, as I mentioned, I think, That's than fair. the X-Wing, which is fine, but I just, I don't know. I really like the X-Wing books. I really like these two, um, except for Krydos. Yeah, I'm pretty sure as we go through a bunch of other stuff, like, none of these are going to end up too far down the oh, list. Oh, God, no. no. Uh, like, except for Krydos. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but for now I think I'm happy to put it where it is yep alright so any other closing thoughts on Iron Fist in law school we learned about Tarnopolsky's Velvet Glove in the Iron Fist which is basically the idea that you should be ready to um, use action and power but should first try to uh should first try to negotiate and use the velvet glove, but with the iron fist underneath it. I don't know. I think it's a cool name for a ship, and I like it much more for an executor than a uh, than a victory old victory star destroyer. I think that victory star destroyer ended up with Thrawn. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That was being discussed in the Discord yesterday. So, what was the first name of the? Was it the iron? The, not the rumble. The uh, the brawl uh, was that? Yeah, the, brawl. Yeah. To rumble. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Super Smash Brothers terms. It was actually the melee, and then uh, people really liked that one, so they really they turned it into the brawl. But then people weren't so big on that one, so they changed it again. But uh, but yeah, I shut this guy up, please. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess that means the podcast is over because. Justin doesn't want me to talk anymore, but I don't want to talk anymore either. Yeah. So we're two and a half hours. Is this our longest one ever? 
Uh, no, I think Plagueis was longer. Okay. I don't think this is particularly long. I do want to give a little bit of self-promo and say we'll be doing some beer. Some beer cart? You cut out a little bit there. Some beer cart, yeah. Do you know what that is? Uh, I'm going to say no, so you have to explain it. So you play Mario Kart, and I'm, I'm streaming it on X2. You play Mario Kart, and we play the N64 version. And um, before you finish, so we do it. Before you finish the race, you have to drink your drink, but you can only drink while stopped. So basically, it's like you're driving, you pull over to the side of the road, you got to drink your drink, keep going. And yeah, you just do that. That's fun. Yes. And uh, is there somewhere people can see that? Um, yeah, my second channel, X2. E-C-K-S-T-O-O. Oh, you're not uh, you're not twitching that anymore? Nah. Oh, sad times. Um, I, I did also, on a personal note, I finished, as I mentioned, Fate of the Jedi. So now all I've got left is uh, Crucible. Hmm. Then you're just done Star Wars. Yeah, that's so it. So what are you... There's nothing left after that. So what are you going to... What's your job going to be after that? Uh, I'm probably just going to kill myself. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so All right, guys. Tune in on Thursday the 19th for our next episode where I'm going to be joined by someone to talk about... Maybe. Uh, no, he's busy, apparently. Uh, yeah. uh, to talk about uh, X-Wing Solo Command. It'll still be streamed on Eckhart's Ladder. That's youtube.com slash Eckhart's Ladder slash live dot HTTPS colon backslash. All right, guys, slash. have a great night. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Until next time when we discuss um, Solo Command, have a great night. May the Force be with you. Bye, everyone. Unless you don't believe in the Force. Well. That was something I did want to talk about, but too late now. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Bye-bye.